Welcome everybody to the Ball and Breakfast Podcast. I'm Patrick Miller alongside Wayne Pua as always uh, here to kick off uh, NFL week one with you guys. Uh, also, you know, we'll dig into the MLB and what they're proposing to do to, you know, change the game for all of us watchers, uh, hopefully improve the product uh, overall. And uh, outside of that, we have a NBA owner who's not going to be around, uh, you know, in his suite this year in Phoenix, uh, Robert Sarver. So we're going to talk about uh, what he did, uh, what the reaction uh, to what he did was, and uh, whether or not we thought it was stiff enough or appropriate. So without further ado, um, I'm going to pass it over to Wayne in a segment that we're going to do for NFL Week 1, uh, all of our reactions. Uh, we're going to either say pass or uh, or grass for wanting to cover it. So um, for NFL Week 1, the, the first matchup I'm going to throw over to Wayne if he wants to pass on it or or enjoy the grass would be the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, defeating the Los Angeles Rams 31 to 10 on Thursday night. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely grasp this. I mean, that was a, that was a fun game and everything that was, uh, you know, watching with a buddy of mine, uh, eat some pizzas and everything. Um, you know, it, it was just, I think the key, key thing was like, it was just astonishing how the uh, defending Super Bowl champions who really didn't lose too many key pieces. I mean, I know they lost Von Miller, but, you know, they still have Aaron Donald and everything. So Jalen Ramsey. Um, so it's like, man, how, do, how did they just get demolished so much? But, you know, uh, the bills were, had been predicted by a lot of, you know, NFL experts to, to take it all the way or, or at least be voted as like the best overall team. Uh, you know, they did add Von, add Von Miller and everything to an already uh, excellent team um, from last year. And, you know, Josh Allen definitely looked, you know, uh, he looked really good in the second half. You know, you know I think both teams kind of had those two interceptions. You know, they were like uh, kind of tip passes or, you know, just, you know, slightly bad timing and, and kind of bobbled balls. But overall, like, you know, 99% of the time looked amazing out there. So um, definitely, I think, a, a great game overall, especially if you're a Bills fan. But, yeah, it was just astonishing of how – uh, lopsided eventually got uh, towards the end, even with all the turnovers uh, that that were uh, caused uh, by the Rams. Uh, you know, they were still able to, uh, you know, score a bunch of points, and they scored thirty some odd points here um, and limited the the Rams offensively. So, you know, great game overall for the Bills, and you know, a, a, a nice uh, statement victory, I think, in the, be- in the beginning of the season when the Rams are getting their rings. So, yeah, I think. That was definitely a fun game overall. I got to see Odell also Beckham in the sidelines, uh, being Odell Beckham. So uh, yeah, I think it was just it was a fun game overall. But um, yeah, it was amazing to see the Bills just kind of like uh, show their dominance right now and, and have that statement game right at the beginning of the season. Yeah, definitely. I Josh Allen, uh, you know, dropping the twenty yard pass over to Gabe Davis to kind of you know, kick off the affair. I got so excited, um, you know, after <laughs> doing our fantasy drafts and just talking him up and, uh, you know, trying to put my money where my mouth was on him, but, uh, just gave me that, some of that security, just knowing right off the bat, like he's, he's willing to target him uh, on some big plays. Um, also, uh, you know, Stevon Diggs got his work, uh, you know, throughout the game, especially with a late, uh, deep ball on Jalen Ramsey. I feel like Ramsey was giving him, uh, you know, he, he was taunting him on a, on a play where, you know, Ramsey broke it up. Uh, I think it was on a, you know, end zone attempt uh, for a score and uh, Diggs gave it right back. And, uh, you know, when he scored his own touchdown. So I just kind of felt like that was his own vindication, but uh, 
Not surprised that Buffalo uh, won the game. Um, little surprised at the outcome of the score. I mean, just a kind of wallop them in their own house was was pretty awesome. But um, you know, having vibes about the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, when you win a Super Bowl and you're kind of like a newly established team, you're not really like you know the Patriots of you know the dynasty years or a team that's like real savvy, real veteran like. I mean, Los Angeles still is kind of fresh in terms of being like a contender. So um, for them to maybe get overzealous on ring night and just you know kind of you know, take a step back or just kind of appreciate their moment for their, you know, championship last season. I mean, the Bills are as hungry as any team in the NFL and just kind of stepped up and showed like we're ready to play this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh yeah, Davis definitely came out. So I, I was I was kind of thinking of you when I saw all that turn uh come about and everything. Um but man, it's it, it was just amazing to see overall. Uh Still, uh, Alan Robinson is not getting any love. I think that was like the whole funny part. Uh, you know, I think like some, a lot of people are predicting him to like have a good game and everything. Uh, I think Matthew Berry might have said something about it, and <laughs> a lot of people are giving him stuff. Like, yeah, Alan Robinson didn't really get that, that many targets or anything like that. Uh, you know, and uh, and Devery Henderson now is being picked up by a lot of uh, leagues. So, you know, he got a bulk of the carries. Cam Akers just was not uh, utilized at all. So, you know, from the fan- fantasy perspective, this game really, you know, re- revealed a lot, I think, uh, to to how players were drafted and, and, and everything and how fantasy teams are restructuring now. Because uh, you know, a lot of people were drafting Cam Akers, you know, fairly in the first like you know three four rounds, right? So this is not a good, this is not a good uh, showing for all the Cam Akers drafters out there. I would say so. Yeah, no, I mean I hear you on a Rob. Uh, definitely a, a clunker for him. Um, to his benefit, I heard that he uh, played on like seventy five of seventy seven snaps. For what it's worth, uh, they only put up ten points as a team, so they're going to have to find you know creative ways to move the ball instead of just you know, trying to force feed Cooper cup this year. Um, you're right about cam Akers. Like I said, I, I feel like when we did our fantasy, uh, you know, draft predictions or kind of going over uh, who we thought would be good picks. Um, he gave me a little bit of heartburn just because, you know, he's coming off his own injury and kind of always feels like McVay is similar to Shanahan. He'll use whoever to get the ball moving and he's okay. Swapping in parts for, you know, backs and he'll, he'll ride a horse for a while. And it kind of felt like, you know, maybe McVeigh and uh, Shanahan and, you know, others uh, with that kind of mindset are, are kind of of that same ilk. So to see uh, Akers kind of not do really anything at all uh, wasn't so shocking. And who knows, by week five, he could be like the feature back. So we'll just have to like hold our breaths. Yeah, I mean, it's early on in the season. I think, yeah, I, there's like this whole overreaction. Uh, is it Tuesday or whatever? Overreactions for the week for week one. You know, uh, who knows, like injuries could happen or maybe Devery like doesn't show up for some games or, you know, a lot of things can happen. So, again, this is early on the season. So if you are a Cam Akers uh, a draft drafty, uh, uh, you know, you, yeah, maybe you should panic a little bit. But who knows what could happen? Uh, yeah, like week four, week five, maybe, you know, uh, you know, knock on wood and God forbid, I mean, like uh, Henry uh, uh, gets injured or whatever. Uh, or, yeah. So a lot of things could happen. Um, but it definitely does not look good for acres, uh, or acres holder here. So yeah. 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 Ditto. Um, 
I guess moving on to the next matchup, uh, Pastor Grass on New Orleans Saints versus the Atlanta Falcons. It was a 27-26 victory by the New Orleans Saints. I'll, I'll, I, I will pass this off to you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to quickly make a comment and then I'm going to pass this one too. But, uh, you know, for Atlanta to be up in the first half, kind of taking it to them and, uh, you know, get dogged in the second half and, you know, New Orleans probably should have won that game as it is. But, um, you know, I was kind of looking down at halftime and was like, wow, like they're really putting it on the Saints right now. That's kind of crazy. And uh, just brought back those New England Patriot Super Bowl vibes when, you know, just kind of ran within the second half and, uh, you know, put them away 31 to 28 uh, or what have you. So um, just remind me of that. Um, but not much to say. It's too early. And uh, yeah, the Saints should have won that ball game. Moving on to the next one, we have the. San Francisco 49ers losing to our Chicago Bears. Uh, Bears, 19, Niners, 10. What did you think about this? Pass or grass? Oh, I mean, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll grass this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a lot of water involved, uh, you know. And kudos to Eberflus for saying, like, hey, let's let's switch to this other kind of grass, right? It's a little bit firmer. Uh, you know, with all this water, you know, what would have happened? Like people could have got hurt, injured or, you know, yeah. Like the, the, it's, it seemed like the, uh, the ground was a little bit more solidified for them in this whole thing. So, um, but, you know, Justin Fields uh, showed up when he needed to, didn't have, you know, the most perfect game uh, or, you know, even with the whole, um, uh, even with all the rain and everything was definitely not made for passing. So, you know, I, I kind of want to toss this game out the window to like evaluate, if you will, uh, Trey Lance or Justin Fields. But, you know, Justin Fields made those plays. He made, you know, that uh, kind of scramble uh, to and then uh, threw a 51 yarder to uh, to Dante Pettis. Uh, so that was definitely, a, you know, a great play that he, he made with his feet uh, and, you know, buying some time uh, and then passing the opposite field to, you know, wide open Pettis there. So. You know, a lot of good plays in that sense. Uh, you know, I I, I think Art uh, Arlovsky actually pointed out there was that one play for the St. Brown TD, right? Uh, where I think Pringles like was kind of showing that like they were going to be uh, running and then kind of you know off a of play action. You know, the, the linebackers bought and St. Brown kind of had a wide open uh, TD essentially there, as well as Pringles too. So it was a nice sell job there. Definitely nice to have that veteran uh, wide receiver to, to help out with that. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, uh, there's the defense definitely, definitely played well, limited uh, Trey Lance, uh, you know, uh, Trey Lance, he, he had some, he had some decent plays here and there. Like, so I wouldn't totally call him out either saying like, you know, he was terrible. You know, again, this was a definitely not a, a game made for passing. There was just, you know, uh, Justin Fields definitely just made some plays two big plays that, you know, it resulted in touchdowns, um, you know, it ran for some decent yards too. So um, yeah. And defensively, you know, Eddie Jackson was great to see him kind of, uh, you know, create that, get, get that interception. Uh, you know, I, I really hope that he starts and becomes that, uh, that ball hawk that we used to see, you know, 2018 and everything. You know, if he, we can get a little bit of that, uh, that'd be great. Uh, you know, the secondary looked pretty solid. Dominique uh, Robinson, uh, the rookie for the fifth rounder, I think it was my, from Miami, Ohio, uh, had things like seven tackles and one and a half sacks. So uh, solid game from the rookie there. Uh, offensive line did okay. Uh, you know, I think they had a pretty decent uh, 
like PFF rankings and all. You know, I think Tevin Jenkins had like a 78 or something like that. And um, I think uh, there were, it had like an 88% like win rate from pass protection or something like that, um, uh, which I guess is that sounds pretty good. I think it was like 60 is the average or something. But, you know, overall, you know, I think the offensive line played decent. Uh, you know, there were a couple plays here and there. I think there were some sacks, like a couple of sacks here and there. But overall, you know, uh, with, with a team like the Niners and a, such a good defense with them, and then, you know, uh, playmakers like Bosa, um, you know, yeah, like things are going to happen in that sense. So, you know, I think Braxton Jones had a decent game. I, he, he definitely needs to work on uh, not getting bull rushed so easily, or maybe not easily, but he de- that, that is like his Achilles heel is, is getting bull rushed a little bit. But um, overall, solid game from the left tackle spot. Um, and I, I think that my one takeaway is, you know, is Herbert going to get more touches? Is he going to outdo Montgomery here? Like he looked a lot better, uh, you know, definitely had more of that burst uh, going past the line and everything in the line of scrimmage. So, you know, he could, uh, you know, again, it's early in this whole fantasy, you know, uh, world and everything, but he looked really good um, uh, coming out of the backfield a little bit more so than uh, Montgomery at this point. So, you know, that could be something to see going for the next couple of weeks, but Pat, enough of me talking about the Bears. We'd love to hear about, you know, what did you think about this whole slip inside game? A lot of fun to watch uh, the highlights back. I actually was uh, driving uh, for a while in my car around this game time, so I wasn't able to catch uh, the game itself, but was keeping up with scores. Um, you know, just seeing them kind of all slipping and sliding after the game and after the victory. Um, seems like the team's really united. Um, you know, I know, you know, talent aside and kind of where they're at in their process aside, it seems like, there's some really good camaraderie, you know, being built in Chicago. Um, even just hearing uh, Eberflus's uh, post game with his team in the huddle and kind of, you know, them giving him a game ball and giving Poles a game ball, um, you could just kind of feel like maybe, maybe it was just because they got a big victory and things like that. But I also think, you know, genuinely speaking, they seem like they're ready for this new era too. Um, I don't have a lot of uh, concerns about, you know, picking the Niners as my. Uh, NFC West uh, division champ for this year. I think that you know people might be quick to quick to judge or quick to be you know kind of uh, dismissive of you know Trey Lance as a starting quarterback or you know now that uh, Eli Mitchell is down you know what's going to happen with their their backfield um, etc. But in a game like this, you know I'm happy we came out with a W. Um, I also think that you know just kind of the conditions and everything else might have might have changed. Uh, you know, our favor or, or theirs, uh, you know, not to play the fence or anything like that. But, you know, I think week one, there's also some weirdness. I feel like, you know, looking at, you know, other games that we'll discuss and, you know, some of the ones we just did, I mean, there's like some really, uh, <laughs> you know, challenging outcomes to kind of think about if you're placing bets or if you're like, you know, trying to understand what's going to happen this season. But uh, encouraging sign, um, you know, glad they, glad they got a W to start and uh, we'll just see where it goes. Yeah, for sure, and uh, it it was it was Justin Fields that was giving those game balls. I think that was the cool part. Like, you know, it's it's nice when yeah, the quarterback, uh, the future franchise quarterback, right for the Bears, is giving those game balls. It feels like empowered to give those game balls to the head coach and the GM. And it was like, you know, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, he finally has a head coach that he, uh, he can believe in and believes in him and, you know, has a GM that, you know, seems like he's knows what he's doing and everything and setting them up for success. So, um, you know, 
good week one victory. I'm, I'm happy uh, as a Bears fan. Uh, but yeah, it's a long season. Definitely want to be optimistic, though. Uh, so thankful for anyone that we can get this season, I would say. So yeah. For sure. Um, pass or grass, New York Giants beating the Tennessee Titans 21-20. I will, I will pass this for you. I want to hear uh, your thoughts on, on this game here. I don't have a lot, honestly. Um, I feel a like great win for Brian Dable. Uh, his you know opening game with the Giants felt like Daniel Jones was doing Daniel Jones type things. I mean, you know, threw a pick in the end zone for for a score. You know, it's it's one of the things where he's going to have to prove. You know, I think this is his final look as a as a starting quarterback in the NFL. If you don't do it this year, like we got to move forward. Uh, good to see Saquon Barkley bounce back, uh, put up some monster numbers. I mean, I feel like from fantasy perspective, those who drafted him probably got him in the second round or so, um, you know, he might, he might return, you know, a lot of value on that investment, but he might also get injured. So we just got to kind of hold our breath here. Um, underwhelming for the Titans, but I also kind of feel like they're going to take somewhat of a step back this year. Um, just not a really good start to be at home against the giants and kind of blow it. So um, what would you make of it? Yeah, I mean, I think the key thing was Saquon Barkley. Uh, you know, this is uh, age twenty-five year f- for for the running back. Uh, so, you know, I I do remember in my fantasy draft. Uh, you know, I was thinking about either him or Pittman. Pittman had a great game. Uh, you know, I, I felt I just felt better about him. But and I'm glad to see Saquon. Uh, you know, being utilized and you know had probably like the second best uh, looking. Uh, you know. Uh, debut uh here in the first season first game of the season uh you know maybe number one might be uh jonathan taylor but yeah like he had as good of a game as possible i think uh, that saquon can uh have so kudos to to him and kudos to dable for utilizing him um but yeah like you said daniel jones definitely doesn't seem like the answer uh, you know this is i guess the prove it deal uh but you know at the same time i i don't know any giants fan that's like yeah i believe in him like you know we're, we're totally fine we're totally fine for the future. So, um, and yeah, Tennessee Titans, they're, they, it just seems like they've been, uh, they already hit their peak, I think. And this team is kind of, uh, going a little bit more downhill from here. Uh, but you know, they still have some talent for sure. And, and, and Vrabel is a you know, pretty good coach. So, you know, they'll, they'll definitely win some games here and there, but this, this is definitely not a good start to their season, losing to the Giants at home, like that's just that's not a good start. That's I guess that doesn't yeah. set the tone well. Let the timer begin for Malik Willis to take the reins at quarterback. Um, you know, this season, I feel like Tannehill bringing in some of that negative energy to start off the years by not embracing him and not being like just openly a good teammate about it in the press is kind of like just just say the standard line, like I'm you know, I'm here for him, I'm gonna coach him even if you want to be the most competitive guy in the world i just feel like that's just a really bad you know leadership example there it's just i mean that kind of falls on his shoulders and it probably created you know some tensions to kind of kick off camp if i were to guess but uh Mm -hmm. anyways i don't think either team are going to be you know competing you know contending really seriously this year so uh you know it's kind of a kind of a forgettable game to me uh moving forward uh this one got interesting pittsburgh steelers um, upset the Cincinnati Bengals on the road, uh, 23 to 20, uh, pass or grass on this one. Oh, I can grasp this. Uh, you know, Trubisky, man, like came in the clutch there. Uh, you know, it, it, it was nice to see him. 
uh, you know, throw some some nice passes here and there. Uh, I think he had just under like 200 yards and 38 passes. Uh, you know, so but yeah, kudos to him on that. It was it was sad to see Najee uh, Harris uh, get hurt. Uh, it's, it's it looks like uh, he'll be available for week two though. So you know, for the fantasy owners, including myself, like okay, this is okay. We're okay, uh, you know. So hopefully he uh, heals up, uh, you know, uh, for this week and everything. Uh, but yeah, the Steelers' defense looked really good. They looked really good. I think Fitzpatrick was playing crazy. Um, you know, they were getting to Burrow. Uh, so you know, all that money that they spent on the offensive line, <laughs> the Bengals did. Uh, you know, probably didn't do too much there. So um, it was. It's interesting that the two Super Bowl teams. Uh, uh, from this past season, both lost their their openers here. So you know, I found that pretty interesting. Uh, but you know, this really also just goes to show, like we were talking about this before, about this whole like, you know, Tomlin and the Steelers. Like, you know, they they're not that bad of a team. Like, yeah, they had an aging Roethlisberger. You know, uh, uh kind of bring him to the to the playoffs, right, and everything. So it's like, you know, they they, they had a lot of their talent, a lot of their players. Uh, come back you know they have some playmakers and defense you, you can always win a lot of games or win some games with that and then you know they, they also have some wide outs uh, some uh, players on on the outside you know Claypool uh, and then yeah Najee Harris probably one of the best running backs in the game like you know okay whatever line you know here and there for sure uh, but you know that with great coaching you can definitely go a long way so it's it was good to see the Steelers there and yeah, sad to see, I guess, the Bengals, uh, you know, with all the turnovers and, and killing themselves in this game. But, you know, like I said, it's a long season. This is the first game of the season. So, you know, they, they just got a lot of talent, too much talent, I feel like, to uh, to, to, to kind of let down here. Um, you know, it was just, just wasn't their week. Yeah, Burrow seemed to start off pretty slow. I mean, multiple picks. Um, I think it was kind of the hangover thing we were talking about with the Rams, I think. You know, not to not to say that they're going to stop their progress as a team. They won't be competitive. But I think when you, you know, get to the promised land like that and, you know, now all the pressure's on you, people are, you know, looking forward to playing you. And you got a tough division opponent in Pittsburgh. I don't care, you know, who their uh, you know quarterback is now or, you know, what changes they kind of went through. Like, that's always going to be a game that, you know, brings out the best in everyone. And, uh, you know, not, not really surprising, not surprising that it was close. Uh Alex, you know, Highsmith on the Steelers had three sacks. I know Hayward had one. Um, J, you know, TJ Watt, um, I, I think it was was running roughshod too. I think he might have tore his pec. So we'll see, you know, what the aftermath of that's going to be. I heard it could be up to like six weeks uh, out or, or more if it's a, you know, more serious injury. But uh, yeah, I was with you on Najee. Uh, glad he found the pay dirt. Um, didn't put up awesome numbers. But, uh, you know, with his Liz Frank injury and now, you know, I think they were talking about a high ankle sprain. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the same foot it might be, but uh, you just hope that the reoccurring injuries don't come back, you know, to him from a football and a fantasy perspective. But um, also just interesting to see, you know, what Trubisky um, showed out there. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of up and down in his game, um, but his last drive was, was notable. I mean, he was making good passes, good decisions with the, you know, clock running and, you know, got it into a position for Chris Boswell to make that big field goal. Um, so, you know, you got to put um, some respect to his name on his first, uh, you know, kickoff start with the new, you know, franchise. And, you know, Kenny Pickett is still kind of waiting in the wings. But, uh, you know, I think Mitch brought him, you know, bought himself probably, uh, you know, a couple extra weeks with that win. Yeah, no, it, I, it, 
I mean, that 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 game basically was like, you know, as much as good as we've seen, I guess, with Mitch Trubisky for the Bears, too. It's like, you know, he's he's not going to always light up, uh, you know, the game like for whatever reason, you he, he, he can't you can't read a defense and, and just pass like, you know, for good uh, for good yardage. You know, he's always like averaging seven yards, uh, uh, you know, completion or something like that. Right. So it's like, you know, today's NFL. That's just not except I think Mac Jones, I think, was seeing was like. You know, people complain about his like arm or whatever. Like, I think he averages ten, so it's like you know, yeah, okay. Um, like, yeah, there's, there's, he, he just hasn't been making that many good plays overall. But at the end of the game, though, you know, he, he all of a sudden just turns it on, like almost like a Tim Tebow type of thing, right? Where it's like he he'll make, he might suck the like you know eighty percent of the game, but that last twenty percent, like Superman comes out, so. Um, you know, yeah, like we remember this whole thing when, when uh, the double doink game, right? You know, I hate to bring it up, you know, against the Eagles, but you know, he put the team in position to win that game and everything, and and yeah, that that didn't happen. So, um, you know, but yeah, good good to see, I guess, Trubisky from that. So he seems like a good guy. It's just you know, maybe <laughs> not, yeah, I wish he was good at reading defenses as good as he was, you know, being a you know decent human being and talking to the press. Okay, so yeah. Um, He's not, he's not an abomination of a quarterback. I think it's just, you know, we put so much pressure and uh, there's so much weight on him being a star because, you know, you trade it up and you trade all these other assets and everything else like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, can he be a winning quarterback in the NFL? Yeah. Could he be a good spot starter or starter? Yeah. Or, you know, could he be a really nice backup? You know, could he be a Jimmy G? Like maybe. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think, you know, brick by brick, he's going to start to, you know, build a career for himself on uh, whatever form that takes. But I, I think he's an NFL quarterback for sure. Yeah. I think, I think if, if he can be like, you know, a somewhat like, I don't know, like Alex Smithish type, I, I feel like that would be good for him. Um, you know, see, see if there's, if he can be with the team, like for like a couple of years, uh, you know, that has a good squad around him, you know, win some games here and there for sure. Uh, or yeah, or, you know, be, be behind you know, kind of like what he, where he is right now, where, you have a young quarterback that you know might take a year or two to groom up a little bit. Um, if that's the case, hey, ball out. Give them no excuse to uh, to to look over your shoulder. You know, try to do as best as you can. Um, but yeah, certainly this kid has a lot of talent. I call him a kid. You know, he's like what twenty six now or something like that. Uh, that's a that's yeah. a kid. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a kid these days. You know, yeah, he's a nineties kid, right? So. Um, but yeah, like he's he's still a decent quarterback. Still has a lot of athleticism. Can make plays here and there. It's just consistency. I think has always been his uh, his his key thing that he hasn't just uh, put all together for. For sure. Well, we'll be we'll be watching for uh, for Mitch this year and see what he can uh, do as a starter yet again in the NFL. Um, on to the next game: the Green Bay Packers uh, seven, Minnesota Vikings twenty three. Passer Grass Wayne. Uh, I'll pass it off to you because I want to hear your take on this, on uh, kind of this, uh, what happens to like Aaron Rodgers and everything and that offense there. Well, all I'll say is we let's, you know, we rewind one year ago to the, you know, first game of last season when the Green Bay Packers played New Orleans Saints in whatever stadium that was. Was it Jacksonville? I don't know. It was, it was somewhere out yonder because New Orleans wasn't playable. But uh, they got killed by Jameis Winston and, you know, the Saints uh, crew that, you know, that season, last season. But it's kind of like everybody 
rush to judgment way too quickly. And I feel like this always happens in week one. You know, Jameis Winston is, yeah, the priority pickup. He's the must-have quarterback. He threw five TDs, that, that, that. You know, Aaron Rodgers, time to drop him. His, his days are over. The Packers are doomed, dot, dot, dot. What ends up happening, the Packers find themselves, you know, winning another division, uh, hosting another playoff game. New Orleans was very much, uh, you know, kind of average to, you know, a little bit above average. Winston was injured. He was up and down with his play. So, again, we flash forward to this year, and Aaron Rodgers walks into the game without Alan Lazard, without Devontae Adams. Uh, You know, he's he's working with a rookie receiver core and uh, some receivers that probably don't belong in the NFL anymore. Um, I just kind of take it as, you know, from the Green Bay side of things, like, number one, it seems like they kind of always start this way, <laughs> just like they start kind of, you know, all right, yeah, like, just we maybe we want you to doubt us a little bit, or, you know, we, we might uh, pick this up in the second half. But, uh, you know, not to the discredit of uh, the Minnesota Vikings, I feel like Kevin O'Connell came out, um, you know, had a really balanced offense going attack with Cousins. Uh, Justin Jefferson had a day. Um, we're not surprised, um, you know, uh, seemed to get, you know, Alvin, you know, Adam Thielen involved, uh, KJ Osborne, um, we'll kind of, we'll kind of have to see where it all goes. I mean, defensively, I feel like that's the one thing that, you know, analysts are talking about with, uh, you know, the Vikings and maybe a liability of theirs, but, uh, you know, if they're a team that is poised on offense and can, you know, take a step with a new, with a new scheme and a new coach, um, you know, they could be they could be contenders uh, in the NFC. I mean, they could be contending for, you know, some sort of playoff spot. So, um, yeah. So I guess I kind of focus my my thoughts on on Green Bay. But uh, did you see anything else or do you have any other kind of reaction to this? Yeah, no, I, I think like with Christian Watson, there was that one play. Uh, he it was a it was a walk and touchdown, basically. Um, that he just dropped, like <laughs> flat out dropped it, you know, typical rookie, you know, whatever. Right. So um, I, I definitely think that they just need to get the nerves out. You know, am I banking that what the Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers are going to go, you know, Owen 17 or whatever, like, yeah, this is overreaction or whatever, but uh, you know, I think they're going to fine tune things on the offensive side that should help out, uh, you know, everything on the defensive side too. And then, you know, make some plays, you know, maybe a couple of weeks from now, Christian Watson, you know, they find him catching that, that kind of pass for, and going for a touchdown. Uh, you know, I think I remember that after he, he missed that uh, pass uh, or he dropped that pass, uh, they didn't pass to him until like the fourth quarter, like at the end of the game. So, you know, and this is like, their, you know, they're highly touted, uh, rookie wide receiver. I also know they got uh, Romeo Dubes as uh, Dobes as well. So it's like, you know, uh, they're, they're going to be passing towards Watson more so in the future. They just need to, you know, work on the timing, work on, you know, building up his confidence, like all those things, which that's all going to take some time. But, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to, you know, sit here and just doubt that the Green Bay Packers are not going to put up some whims, not go, not going to go on some hot streak or whatever here um i think the only thing other thing i'd add there is you know at least with the packers is you know with aj Dillon, it seems like you know he's going to be getting just more reps uh, uh i think compared to maybe aaron jones for whatever reason they just didn't want to go to aaron jones as much uh you know in this game so you know uh i think he uh aj Dillon was a 
leading wide receiver for the Packers. And then also, uh, you know, had more carries than uh, Aaron Jones here. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was just they wanted you know, Aaron Jones fresh or whatever for the remainder of the season or, or what have you, but it certainly seems like things are leaning more so to uh, A.J. Dillon here. Uh, so, you know, interesting showing in that aspect for the Packers, uh, but, yeah, it's it's going to be hard for them, for me to be like Packers are not going to be a thing in a couple weeks. Um, Vikings looked, you know, as good of a game as I guess you can ask from them. Like you said, Jefferson killed it. Um, defense we'll see how how this goes it definitely was you know not the best packer showing but you know maybe got to give some kudos to the to, to the vikings here too um you know only limiting uh aaron Rodgers to under 200 yards like i don't care who you know if they're they are kind of uh rookie wide receivers and like you know an aging like watkins and randall cobb uh you know that's still impressive there so um you know yeah vikings are pretty good set set themselves up for a good remainder of the season um and you know in a uh, division that seems like it's it's winnable so for sure um next game we had the philadelphia eagles winning 38 to 35 over the detroit lions in detroit uh wayne pass or grass on this one i'll pass it off to you yeah i feel like because i knew you're like a big jalen hurts person here, so <laughs> yeah i you know i had a good feeling about the eagles coming into this year i mean reading up on uh you know pro football focuses analysis of the entire team um, you know, seem like they have the top line in the league. You know, they've got an improved defense. They've got a new weapon in AJ Brown. Um, and you know, it's Jalen Hurts' third, you know, season with the team. He's he's now kind of plugged in as the starter. He knows Nick Sirianni a little bit better. Um, and they came right out of the gate smoking. Uh, they were up twenty-four to seven at the half, or I should say fourteen at the half. But um, you know, also had a big third quarter as well. I think they got up um, by about three scores at one point. Um, but you know, Hertz was running all over the field. He had 90 yards rushing, you know, but had 200 plus yards passing. I don't believe he had a TD, but was just connecting with AJ Brown all game, kind of showing, uh, some of the rapport that those two can have, um, you know, kind of encouraged to see, um, you know, on the other side of the ball, Detroit, not really giving up and just being kind of a doormat. It seemed like they definitely pushed back and, um, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown and, uh, you know, DJ Chark coming over from the Jaguars. I mean, they kind of proved that they're, you know, pretty good one-two punch. Like, I think that is a really, you know, decent receiving core there. Um, DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, everyone's talking him up as being a first-round type player uh, in our fantasy league. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. I always have a tough time believing that from a, a Detroit back. But he had, he had a pretty good year last year. So, uh, you know, I think it's, it's kind of showing, one, that, you know, the Eagles, to me now, um, given what's happened in another game in the NFC East, are, are, you know, kind of stepping out as clearly the favorites at this point uh, to win that division. And then, you know, Detroit might, you know, I don't know if it'll always translate into wins, but hey, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to punch back a little bit. And it's, it's kind of good to see them, even though they're in our division. It's just like, I hate watching a team just like suck forever. Like, <laughs> it's just kind of nice to see like, hey, they've got, you know, something going here, whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, definitely like the, like one of the most, uh, I guess, I don't know, underrated or overlooked wide receivers, St. Brown on the, on the Lions. So like, if you're a fantasy owner, you know him more so, but it may be, he's not a household name, uh, but, you know, eight receptions, 64 yards, uh, touchdown, but he's, he's going to get those targets and he's going to contribute. And yeah, they, they definitely are a team that, uh, you know, when they have their back against the, you know, when they have their back, 
against the wall, I feel like they, they show up and they, they start attacking. They're kind of like a pesky, like, I guess, a little brother or something like that. You want to look at it that way. But Swift, yeah, uh, liked him, uh, you know, coming out here, uh, definitely showed up here. So, you know, maybe next week, week two, we'll, we might see more action of him uh, early, earlier on in the game and, and going forth uh, from there, maybe become more of a featured back because, um, you know, average almost 10 yards a carry here. So, you know, for a team like that, like that wants to keep things maybe close, maybe they do run the ball a little bit more. But um, Eagles, you know, they, they're they honestly going to be like, it seemed like kind of like, uh, I don't say, I don't say like the Ravens or something like that, but they might be leading the league in rushing, I think, this year, you know, with like Sanders and Hurts. Uh, and you know, th- with the Ravens not having that backfield like solidified, so you know that they certainly could be a uh, uh, that kind of offense, that kind of team. Um, and yeah, it's it's it, you can't uh, underestimate the essence of like continuity for like a good offense that you're working with, or you know, a team that knows how to win. So if you're winning and you have a pretty decent offensive scheme, you're a young quarterback and you're developing, having some continuity pieces, which Jonah Hurts has. Uh, certainly has been helping. Um, yeah, and it certainly helps to have, you know, your newly acquired wide receiver getting some catches, you know, 10, 10 receptions, 155 yards here. So um, good to see you. You know, good overall game, I think, from uh, the Eagles standpoint. Uh, but yeah, you, you got to blow out the, or you got to put the, your foot on the neck against the Lions, I would say. Uh, but yeah, Lions can be pesky. Yeah. So we'll see. Um Overall, yeah, good game. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, I stick to my, my point. I guess <laughs> I think the Eagles are, yeah, are, are going to step out this year, and you know, maybe even take a, a further step than just winning a division. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, on to the next one. We have the New England Patriots uh, losing um, to the Miami Dolphins, twenty to seven in Miami. Uh, Wayne pass or grass. I mean, I'll, I'll pass it off to you. I, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like you have a lot to contribute at these. I'll save some of my stuff for later <laughs> games, though. Yeah. No, this one was so boring, man. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't have much to say, really. Like, it just kind of, this is like who I thought they were. Both teams, both teams. Like, I don't, I don't even know how to dissect this one. It's like 20 to 7 at Miami. Uh, New England, for whatever reason, post Tom Brady are like the most boring, uncreative team of all time. Like, it's so sad. And it's like, I'm getting to that point where I'm like, you know, Belichick's done an amazing job throughout his career, you know, with New England and being, you know, arguably the greatest coach of all time in, in NFL history. You know, is it his time? Like, is this the final year for me? Like, I might consider it because if I was Mac Jones, I'd just be like, dude, please unleash me. Like I have a lot of talent. You know, there are some guys here that, you know, I could get the ball to, I could get the ball to a Hunter Henry. I could get the ball, you know, to, you know, Kendrick Bourne or Jacoby Myers, or, you know, I got two backs behind me when Damian Harris had like, you know, 15 tutties last year. And I've got, you know, Ramondre Stevenson who everyone's like gushing about and stuff. It's like, just do something, man. Cause it's just like, are, are we just going to play James Whiteball like all year, every year, and just be like this, you know, team that's always looking to scrounge around for like wide receiver fours to make into studs? It's like, I'm just so bored with this team, man. It's like, I don't know, it's really getting me going, but I, I don't care about the Patriots. I was just kind of like, man, come on, like, let's get it going, dude. Like, this is just, you're just wasting everyone's time. And then Miami, same kind of thing. Like, 
yeah, we got these, you know, we got Tyreek Hill, we got Moster, we got Chase Edmonds, we got, you know, new coach. He's a brainiac love child from, uh, you know, Shanahan's tree. And it's like, okay, 20 points at home, like Tua is being very safe and like, you know, very conservative and, you know, had a decent completion percentage. There's nothing to really like poke holes about. It's just like a very boring game. So I, uh, I take nothing away from this. If anything, they're both going to be playing around 500 this year below or a tick above, not, not very high above 500, but it's like, this is just how I felt about this one. I, I kind of feel like these two teams are just going to annoy me from like a football perspective all year. Yeah, well, there, there's, there, there, there definitely needs to be serious discussions, I think, with Belichick. And it's like, you know, yeah, hey, man, like, you're, you're slowing down a little bit. Maybe you ought to, like, throw away your your GM duties and your personnel, uh, like, decision-making a little bit. You know, outsource that stuff. You know, we'll get some sleep, take over the coaching side. You'll, you'll you know, definitely work together and all that, but um, – yeah, like this is not sexy. This is not a sexy team whatsoever. Uh, there's no sex whatsoever in this uh, <laughs> in this team for sure. So, um, you know, like yeah, they 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 just don't have the pieces. I feel like they don't know what to do with any talent. They don't know how to look for talent. I feel like um, they don't know how to take like high risk, high reward. Type of, like it's <laughs> no risk whatsoever. So practicing you know, a lot of abstinence for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Basically, yeah, basically, uh, yeah, the, the Patriots are, you know, choir boys, you know, minus the Catholic Church, right? So. Yes, please, Sam. <laughs> Don't get uh, us canceled, please. Oh, uh, Boston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like, there's, there there definitely is that uh, sense of, you know, how they're going to look like. Like, you know, I, I know that they went to, like, the playoffs, uh, like, last year, and they had a pretty decent season in that in that sense, but you know, it's hard, especially after this game, looking at that, like, you know, how are they going to like their, their, their offense looked anemic and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to get excited for this team. And then, you know, uh, I mean, Dolphins did upgrade, like they, they did get Tyreek Hill, you know, they did hit Waddle on that, that large, uh, uh, long touchdown basically there. So, you know, um, yeah, it, it was good to see Logic, uh, the coach, <laughs> get his uh, uh, get his first win. Though um, seems like a pretty cool guy and a decent person there. So, hey, you know, uh, if 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 they can, uh, you know, pull away uh, with this division, maybe <laughs> we'll see. But you know, for all the knock on Tua not being able to throw throw the ball, he looked pretty good or he looked decent. You know, I think all that was a little bit uh, social media blown up out of proportion. So. Yeah. yeah, like I don't I don't look at Tua and say like this guy could be top 10, but I also don't look at him and be like he's terrible and you need to find his like replacement ASAP. It's just that game is just that was that's Tua. That's his that was his game. Like and it's yeah. like not fun, dude. It's just like all right, this is just it's going to be a lot of dink and dunk. It's going to be, you know, it's just going to be like a, a like a game that is 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 fine. It, it's solid, but it doesn't give, you know, uh, a GM like confidence. Like I've got my guy and we're like locked and loaded and we're ready to like take this to where we wanted to take it when we brought all these pieces in, you know, it's like just very safe, you know, both sides. So <laughs> um, for sure. Uh, next one, we had kind of a shootout um, in the Valley. Uh, the Chiefs won 44 to 21 over the Arizona Cardinals. Wayne, pass or grass? 
Uh, I'll I'll take this because uh, this is the opposite of the no sex game. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of lot, this is dominatrix, movie. dominatrix right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, Chiefs. You know, Mahomes uh, looked really good. Five touchdowns. I think PFF like had him as like sixth rank, which everybody's like. How do you throw five touchdowns? Like look like like almost like basically throw like a perfect game essentially, and then get like number six. Like that didn't make any sense. So uh, you know, uh, Chiefs look great. Uh, you know, Mahomes looks like an MVP candidate and everything. Um, you know, it, it, there was definitely that whole talk of like, okay, uh, with uh, Hill gone now, who are the Chiefs going to be passing to? Uh, so they, you know, everybody, they, they definitely divvied up the, the workload. Uh, you know, my, my running back, uh, uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire got two touchdowns. Uh, and I started him much to the chagrin of Matthew Barry and everything too. Uh, so I was like, yeah, uh, you know, it was good to see that he was getting some, uh, passes out of the backfield. So it seems like he's going to be a contributor, uh, you know, whether it be closer to the red zone and, and going that way, I know he's going to. Uh, they got Pacheco too. So, but yeah, it was good that to have that. And then Juju Smith Schuster got some targets, some reps there. Um, and then, you know, we'll see. Maybe they'll, they'll, they'll throw in a little bit more Sky Moore. I know this was his first game, got uh, a 30 yarder, uh, I believe. So, you know, again, this is the first game. There's going to be a lot more, uh, uh, you know, just developing that continuity with some of the players overall. But yeah, it looked like a, as good of a game, as good of a start to the season as you can possibly ask where I feel like uh, as a Chiefs fan there, uh, you know, Cardinals, uh, you know, they, they, they definitely, maybe they did miss like that Hopkins factor or something like that. Um, you know, Kyle Murray, like, I don't know how much tape he watched, but uh, yeah, didn't have like an explosive game, but didn't do too, too much or like uh, 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 didn't hurt the secondary uh, uh, for the, the Chiefs at all, really. So um connor they were able to maintain him for most of the game i know he, he did score that touchdown but you know that's that's kind of his thing but you know didn't really like have an explosive or game or anything like that or, or move the line of scrimmage too much there um it was good to see you know it's interesting that dorsch got a lot of the the catches there so you know it seems like dorsch is going to be featured more there so um but yeah not 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 an explosive game i i, I think the chiefs they, they had a good defensive plan and um you know yeah like i said chiefs played as good as a game as as i think you can ask uh for the first for, for the first game of the season against a pretty you know pretty competent opponent i would say with the cardinals you know they definitely have their flaws but yeah they're they're still a solid team so yeah um i think mahomes is gonna be interested to see that pff ranked him six i mean i think that's just another thing that he'll just like look at all week and then come out and just keep showing people that he's still the man and uh you know definitely i think people were trying to pour a little bit of water on kc or or maybe just you know amp up some other teams around the league just to like you know give them the you know the super bowl favorite odds because you know they're they're the you know the newcomers or they you know tasted a certain level of success and now they've gotten an extra you know signing or two that's going to take them over the top i feel like that always happens after an nfl offseason and uh no, I mean, I didn't I didn't have a ton of concerns about the Chiefs coming in. I mean, I feel like I've heard that they've had a really hard schedule off the bat. So I think they're going to play like um, six or seven, like tough, tough opponents right out of the gate, like 500 plus teams are better from last year. 
Um, but I think more of my focus just goes on the Arizona Cardinals and how this team's just kind of like soulless. I mean, Murray gives me some vibes like he doesn't want to be there, even though, you know, he just signed this extension and, you know, his contract's really pretty. It's just kind of like, hey, man, you're not, you know, you're not doing your reading. Uh, last year's effort just kind of seemed like, you know, if this kid's really all that we think he is, if he's a number one pick, if he's, you know, got the athleticism and the arm, he can play two sports. Like he's, he's got to like turn up the leadership quality of his game, like a little bit more. Like, I just feel like he needs to care a lot more. Like he could be a Russell Wilson type. Like he's got a lot of the, you know, same traits, a lot of the same, like physical athletic traits is like a Russell Wilson, but you know, maybe it is like a guy like Russ and his character and, you know, his ability to lead that really, you know, puts him on another shelf when it comes to winning ball games and, you know, being a leader for a franchise. And there, there's something missing there for Kyler Murray uh, when I just kind of see how him and Cliff Kingsbury have gone along and how this team has just kind of literally stayed like this, like the entire time. I mean, they, they were pretty bad his first year, but I, I just can't put my finger on it. I mean, the defense – they got picked apart. I mean, 44 points. I mean, it is KC, like they are going to score, but uh, I'm just trying to find like, what's going to be, what's, what's the upside here with the Cardinals? I mean, they play in the NFC, maybe that's it. Um, You know, maybe score some easy victories to put them into playoff contention, but anytime they've got a real game, they just always seem to fall flat. And, you know, I just feel like, uh, yeah, it's hard to find a good quarterback in the NFL. Like it, it truly is hard to find like that franchise guy, but um, you know, he start he, you know, he puts together another mediocre season. Like we're just going to start thinking of him as like the Arizona Cardinals version of Dak Prescott. And it's like, yeah, he, he's kind of proved that at this point, you know, like we see the great, but it's just not consistent enough. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, you know, uh, it, there, yeah, I, I I definitely agree with that. Like all the talent in the world seems like you know, I, I know he's not like six five or anything like that, but you know, has a very offensive minded coach. Uh they're trying to, you know, to get he's got good wide receivers overall. Um I know he doesn't have uh you know, he has a older AJ Green and doesn't have Hopkins uh you know for a couple of weeks here. So to start the season, but there's definitely enough talent around him, you know, on the offensive side, it's just yeah, for whatever reason, uh, being able to take things, you know, uh, uh, I think I think the idea is like playing up to like the level of a game or you know hitting that that moment there. Um, you know, the Cardinals, they always seem like the team that is going to win, or they, they always seem that they always have like a good start of the season, but they never know how to finish towards the end of the season. I guess when things get colder, so you know, if if that's going to be their whole thing, and hey, you know, uh, they lost to the Chiefs, like that's. <laughs> The Chiefs are the Chiefs, so you know it's it's hard to knock on them for this game, particularly I guess. But at the same time, like you, you got to be elevating your game when you're you're going against you know the Chiefs here at home and everything. So you know if if they can rise up to the competition against you know great competition, uh, even a little bit shorthanded, you know not having Hopkins, uh, then it's like okay, great, maybe they're taking those steps. But right now they're not necessarily taking steps. Like Kyle Murray's, you know, uh, numbers at least statistically, just they kind of plateaued. You know, it hasn't really developed too much uh, since his like rookie season here. So, you know, hasn't had like that MVP kind of season. Um, you know, started off, you know, last season, yeah, right there. But then, like I said, it was like 
you know, uh, they, they definitely taper off towards the end of the season and that really affects uh, things overall. And, and so, yeah, you know, maybe there is a little bit of, I don't want to say, I guess, lack of leadership or not, you know, the leadership style just isn't matching with the team or whatever. So uh, yeah, something like that might just have to give or yeah. Otherwise they're just going to have to kind of accept like what, what they're, where they are right now, which is, yeah, I guess that's a good comparison like that Dak Prescott, um, you know, good, good, solid numbers, you know, may win some games here and there, but they're not really uh, taking things to the next level or, um, you know, having those moments to uh, a victory, you know, for your team. So almost like an Eli Manning minus the Michael Strahan and uh, killer defense. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one to weigh. Um, he's got the Raiders and Rams next. So, you know, hopefully, you know, for his sake, they get a, get a win or two here because if they start 0 three, um, you know, that's going to be hard for them to kind of dig out of um, just given where they're at. But um, I guess moving on to the next one, we have the Baltimore Ravens uh, beating the New York Jets 24 to nine in New York. Uh, Wayne pass or grass on this one. I'll, I'll grasp the hell out of this too. Uh, <laughs> All I, mean, right. I love my Lamar Jackson. He's uh he's my favorite uh, uh, NFL player currently. Um, but you know, uh, it was good to see. Yeah. Yeah. I know they didn't have Dobbins and that was kind of upsetting me for a little bit. Uh, having to sit him out. Uh, but I, you know, I play Clyde Edwards Hilaire and got, you know, he had two touchdowns. So I wasn't, I wasn't too uh, depressed about that, but Lamar looked pretty decent. I know he had that one pick, um, you know, but that was, he kind of was just launching it and, uh, you know, got them, uh, it was kind of like a punt in a way too. So, uh, you know, don't want to talk into knock on him for that necessarily put too much weight on, on that. You know, there's definitely been all this knock about him not being able to, you know, pass the ball deep and stuff like that. Like he's, he got, you know, he's, he's, he's okay. He's okay. Uh, you know, had a, cu- a couple passes to Duvernay for touchdowns. Um, I think both like went over 20 yards, uh, I believe. And then yeah, there was one he launched the Bateman too. So his, his deep ball is fine, man. His deep ball is fine or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, didn't have the running back help necessarily, but, you know, definitely will the team. So almost kind of like what last season was in a way that like starting off the season a little bit uh, hurt or, or short, shorthanded there. Defense looked great though. Uh, you know, I know it was the, uh, the, the Jets, uh, and, you know, Flacco passed like almost 60 times, I think, like ridiculous numbers here, but defense looked great overall. Uh, you know, they're, I think, you know, if, if, if I had my way, I probably would have picked the, the Ravens defense, you know, just all the playmakers they got that got a, the best secondary, I think, in all the NFL it was, you know, uh, Marcus Williams actually got a pick here too, was their new sign. Um, and yeah, several sacks, you know, with Justin Houston, um, Patrick Queen had a half sack here too. So along with uh, Matabuke and Clias Campbell too. So yeah, the, the, this defense is going to carry them, I think. Uh, you know, until maybe like Domins comes back, but um, I had, yeah, overall impressive game, I think, from the Ravens and the Jets of the Jets. So, yeah, yeah, this game was like the New England Miami one for me. I mean, it was very predictable and kind of how it went and what the outcome, you know, most likely would be. Um, my buddy on Sunday, um, as I was leaving uh, the weekend, I was out in Charlottesville, uh, he goes, Hey, I have got a parlay going, I got a nail you know, all six of these picks, but one part of his parlay was Joe Flacco going over 236 passing yards. And I literally had a, the biggest smirk on my face and was like, oh, like, like I want to be supportive of this parlay, but man, you picked Flacco going over. 
And what does he do? He throws for 309 yards. I was like, good for Joe Flacco, man. Like out of any, out of everything that came from this game, nobody will talk about it, but like, he's still going, man. He is still going as his former team. Uh, that Super Bowl win of his now feels like, you know, decades ago at this point. But uh, anyways, man, very predictable. Without Zach Wilson, it's like hard for us to really evaluate, like, where are the Jets at now and where can they go? Um, for Baltimore, this is just business as usual. So I think you covered it pretty well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah, it was like Michael Carr has gone to reps here. 10 carries over uh, uh, six for Brees Hall, at least initially right now. So and seven receptions versus six, actually, for Brees Hall here. So, you know, but then then again, how many times are we going to expect Joe Flacco to pass 59 times? Uh, <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, can't always rely on that. <laughs> Yeah. Um, next game, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, losing to the Washington Commanders 28-22. Uh, to 22. Uh, Wayne, pass or grass? Yeah, um, I'll take uh, this. I, I uh, really have one thing to say, though, is Carson Wentz, man. How about that? Like, <laughs> Let's go. Come back, like, <laughs> come back with four touchdowns. Like, you know, yeah, like, hey, you know, I think a lot of people discredited him as like, oh, he's he's being passed around like, you know, so now he's like at the commanders, like, you know what? I, I just want to stay and chill here. Right. I, I, you know? Yeah. So if that's the case, Hey, let's, let's win some games. So good, good on him. Uh, yeah. You know, Jaguars, uh, you know, it's Doug Peterson, the first, first game of the season with the, the Jaguars uh, here. And you know, I think they're going to be better this season because they couldn't really been worse, I guess, with Urban Meyer. But, um, you know, if, uh, yeah, so yeah, like maybe not the best start to the season, obviously for for Jaguars fan coughing up a lead like that uh, to Carson Wentz, uh, you know. But at the same time, hey, it was nice that they were you know ahead and everything. And uh, Christian Kirk had a good game. You know, I'm definitely high on him for fantasy perspective here. Uh, so you know, yeah, they just uh, young team uh, and uh, made some you know you know young team mistakes and. Couldn't uh, finish the game off here, essentially. Yeah, to Carson Wentz. But, hey, good on Carson Wentz for for pulling this off. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I feel like long ago we did a review of some kind on quarterbacks in the NFL or teams or whatever it was. And I feel like making a plug for Carson Wentz uh, going to the commanders might have been like the offseason signings or something. Um, This guy has a pretty good career TD interception ratio. He also has a career record over 500. I mean, we can talk all things we want about the guy and like blowing certain games or having an attitude about competition, whatever else it is. But I still think this guy's a good passer. I still think he's capable of winning NFL games. And with where the commanders are, they need a guy who can just kind of right the ship. I mean, it's um, they're almost like in a cold situation, you know, with a guy like Wentz, because it's, you know, I think in Washington here, a lot of folks are, you know, we're salivating over their front four, um, you know, Chase Young. Uh, Montez Sweat, others is like this. This this defensive unit is like what's going to carry us, and that was the narrative going into last season. They lose Landon Collins, um, you know, um, and overall it was kind of a subpar year for them. And you know, offensively they weren't very good. But it's like if the defense can be something more uh, than average, and you've got on the other side of the ball, you know, you got Wentz, uh, you know, tossing balls, uh, you know, McLaurin and they got John Dotson had a couple of scores. Uh, Samuel Curtis Samuel came back from injury and he was like all over the field for them on offense. And uh, Logan Thomas might have, you know, a decent season too. It's kind of like, 
you know, I, I feel pretty good about Washington. I, I, I guess in my own preseason predictions, I had them, you know, winning second, you know, maybe being a second place team in that division. Um, Dallas falling behind. This was pre, you know, Dak injury or what have you. But uh, no, man, I think they can be. I think they can be, you know, around five hundred. And uh, I think the funniest thing is me and my uh, father-in-law both have a, a bet on this year. Uh, he thinks the Bears are going to win eight or more games. <laughs> so we have we have a bottle of uh, whiskey on that. And then I have the Commanders winning eight or more games because he's so negative on the Commanders. And uh, I'm like, man, I think they can win eight eight or more ball games this year. I think that's a feasible outcome for this team. So um, I, I, I'm I'm on I'm on the Wentz train somewhat. You know, I'm not I'm not going to just rule him off uh, just yet. Yeah, yeah. And hey, with uh, Dak Prescott uh, out, you know, for several games, it appears, right? Uh, you know, hey, maybe the Commanders, I don't know if they're going against them in the next couple games, but uh, if they are, you know, that that could be a nice win for them. And, you know, uh, yeah, like you said, it seems like they have, when you have a good defense, like your offense kind of just has to be formidable oftentimes, right? And, and that's certainly like what Carson Wentz is all about. And, like you said, when you have a great front four like that, I mean, Eli Manning, like he, he was able to pull that off, uh, you know, with with regards to their line and, you know, beating uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots and winning Super Bowls that way. So, you know, uh, sometimes that's just all you, what you need there. So, and uh, yeah, go, go Dotson too. Uh, I picked him up like, uh, you know, like one of my late picks and everything. Uh, and yeah, I got two touchdowns. So excited about that. Hopefully he gets more targets in the future. So. Yeah. yeah. Also give a shout out to James Robinson. Uh, just a small plug. I mean, to be able to kind of split work with Etienne coming back from uh, his own Achilles injury. Um, he just, he just got a pretty good amount of carries, good, you know, yards per attempt. Um, you know, he put up about 19 to 20 points in fantasy, <laughs> even though he was, he was stashed on my bench. I just kind of like have renewed confidence for him. I felt I felt good about taking him like later on. I didn't really, I don't expect, I didn't expect much, but to kind of see him show out a little bit and say like, Hey, I'm still here and I can be a starting running back in the game. Like he's going to get his work for sure. So he'll be a good piece with uh, Trevor Lawrence this year. Yeah. And one more thing with the Trayvon uh, Walker too. That was an awesome interception from a defense alignment too. So like, like interception sack the same game, same game, like, you know, defense alignment. That's, that's a hell of a debut. So yeah. Absolutely. Um, moving on to the next one. This is a good division matchup here, but uh, the Las Vegas Raiders against the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, Wayne, uh, pass or grass? I'll I'll take this. Yeah, I, I have some investments in here. You know, uh, so yeah, I'll I'll grass it for sure. Then uh, Devonte Adams, he's on my fantasy team. Love him. Uh, you know, yeah, ten receptions. Uh, had a touchdown as well. So. Uh, solid game from him, uh, but then you know, Chargers, Chargers are Chargers, man. That defense, oh, you know, Khalil Mack, he was killing it with Bosa. Like those two are gonna wreak havoc. Um, you know, I know Carr didn't have the best game too. Uh, coughed up several turnovers that really cost them. You you can't really be doing that against you know an offense like with with what the Chargers have. Uh, and you know, the Raiders, yeah, they just they they were they were definitely trying to make that comeback, but yeah, like I said, when you when you have a, that defense and also uh, the offensive power that the Chargers have, it's it's going to be really difficult to come back. Uh, you know, especially with those pass rushers when they, they all then all they know is that you're going to be passing the ball. 
you know, on every single down essentially in the fourth quarter. So uh, that was just hard. But yeah, early on in the, in the the first half, they just made way too many. The Raiders made way too many mistakes, and that really just cost them. And it was hard to keep up for them. But you know, it was nice that they made some efforts. So, but you know, I I do believe that the Raiders they're they're going to be contenders in this in this division. Like uh, I know everybody got really uh, got better in the division, but you know, uh, uh, Derek Carr definitely is a formidable uh, uh, quarterback. Uh, passed for like you know almost like five thousand yards right, like last season, right? And now he's adding Devontae Adams. Like, I think they're they're going to be fine overall. Uh, Josh Jacobs looked pretty decent. Um, just you know some things on the offensive line. Uh, you know, obviously, hopefully you're not going to be going against Bosa and Clomac every single game too. Uh, but you know, I think to me at least this speaks well for the Chargers and just kind of like with the balance that that team has and you know how much talent they have. Um, they're definitely going to be wreaking havoc, uh, I think, in the future. Um, and yeah, I think that's essentially why Justin Herbert Justin Herb looked pretty good. He's my MVP pick. And, you know, I kind of called all this like the defense is going to get them opportunities and they're going to, that, that offense is going to take advantage of it, I feel like. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm going the opposite way with the Raiders. Um, just, just six sacks allowed. Uh, he tossed three picks. I think that might change a little bit. I think Carr's a tick better than that. But um, I just feel like from what I've heard about their O-line and you kind of, you know, walk into a division where, you you know, Broncos are pretty formidable on on the defensive side. Uh, obviously, the Chargers beefed up this year on, on their own defensive side of the ball. It's just like to play those teams uh, each twice, um, I think they're going to – I think they're going <laughs> to take their lumps when they play um, any of their division opponents. Uh, that's just my own – kind of opinion on it, but, um, no, overall the chargers look extremely solid. Uh, you know, probably would have liked to see them maybe, uh, you know, t- it was a tough, you know, tough matchup, um, I guess in the division to kind of start off the year, but I just see bigger things for them on the offensive side. I could see Herbert having, you know, much bigger games with Mike Williams. I feel like he was kind of quiet. Uh, Keenan Allen got his work as usual. Um, Eckler, uh, a little bit, quieter of a game for him, even though he was involved on the ground and in the air and things like that. But um, no, I mean, not much else to say about the outcome or the game itself. I think chargers are definitely going to be in this as very serious contenders. And uh, those were my thoughts on the Raiders. Gotcha. Yeah. But I mean, those chargers, man, this team looks deadly. Uh, It is nuts. And yeah, Bryce Callahan, like, I think that was, like, one of the underrated signings that maybe doesn't get talked enough, but, like, he was, like, the best uh, nickelback in the game. So, like, when you have that in this league, and then, yeah, they also have a Saudi Samuel Jr. And uh, was it, who they got? J.C. Jackson, right? So, you know, when you have Mr. Interception, so if you when you have those two cornerbacks, and then, yeah, Bryce Callahan. Um, Derwin and, James. Yeah, and, and Derwin James. <laughs> Just hanging out. <laughs> just, oh yeah, the best, the best safety <laughs> in all the game. Man, like, yeah, yeah, and like uh, two of the best pass rushers too. Like, it's serious, yeah. man. It's very serious. Like, it is. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. isn't just like a like a fun team to get behind. I think it's like wasn't just about splashy signings. It's like, you know, these guys get some continuity together. There's enough, you know, star power on that entire team on both sides of the ball. You know, they're very similar to the LA Rams of of last year and the year before. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're just maybe a tad younger, I think. <laughs> you know, so. And a much better quarterback, right? Like Yeah, yeah. Herbert, man. And my MVP pick. So yeah. It'll be fun. Um Cleveland and Carolina. Cleveland 
Um, you know, eked one out, 26-24 on the road. Uh, Wayne, pass or grass? Uh, I'll, I'll pass it off to you. I want I want to hear your take on uh, this whole like, uh, Mayfield and, uh, you know, his almost revenge game. Yeah, that one, it's just tough, right? Like, <laughs> I don't love Baker Mayfield, but in the same sense, like, you know, when you hear the rumors coming and it's, you know, getting publicized and, you know, you've got a big ego like he does, you're a really competitive person, you know, kind of always playing with the swagger and being like, it's real out there is like the number one pick. It like, of course, he's going to be like just completely butthurt that, like, hey, we're going to sign this guy who's probably not going to play until week, you know, 55. Uh, and, and you're out, you're out. But uh, we still want you to come back and be his backup. Does that sound pretty good? It's like, so of course, like Mayfield's upset. Like he says his stuff. It was very, you know, immature at the time. Uh, you know, it's not, you know, something a leader would probably say again. Uh, so important from the quarterback position and uh, just kind of led to like, you know, just a, a divorce of franchise and, and quarterback. Um, and he found it, you know, found a place for himself in Carolina, like not to say that, you know, I have high hopes for the Panthers this year. I think there's still, you know, um, you know, a lot of pieces away from being, you know, true contenders. And it's hard to just put a quarterback, um, you know, of average um, to maybe above average talent into a new system and just expect it to like, take off. Um, so yeah, I think he did what he needed to do to, to win that ball game. And, you know, he got God on a field goal and, uh, it was a, you know, probably a sour taste in his mouth. He's probably really still <laughs> stewing over that one for sure. Uh, especially cause there's just a lot of contention between him and Cleveland on the way out. But, um, you know, for Cle- from Cleveland's side of, of the ball, it just kind of Jacoby Brissett, you know, obviously he's like, a very bad quarterback. I mean, backup at best at this point uh, in his career. I, you know, I don't expect him to do much uh, week in, week out, especially with a couple good wide receivers, you know. Um, but, you know, I think they make their, you know, money on their running backs. And it's like, you just got to hand it off to Chubb and dump it off to Kareem Hunt. And like, those guys are going to give you a chance. And, you know, they do have one of the best rosters on paper. They really do outside of quarterback right now. Like, you just drop a great quarterback in there and that that team is like a locked and loaded playoff contender. But it's uh, you know, gutsy on their end, you know. Like I think everyone's doubting them. I think everyone kind of expects them to kind of fall over until you know Deshaun Watson comes back to save the day. But you know, um I think you know they'll show probably um, you know, in the next several weeks here, probably up to midway through the season, like I think they'll play hard and they'll play, you know, some close football games, but uh you know, maybe they'll be slightly under 500 if I were to just put a prediction out there by the time Watson gets back, but it could make it interesting toward the end of the year for sure. Yeah, I know for sure. Uh, like I know they have, I'm looking at their schedule right now and it's like, they got the jets, uh, they got the Falcons, uh, you know, they got the sexless Patriots, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, dolphins like, yeah, you know, these are, Definitely uh, Texans too. If you want to put them in there, you know we can talk if we talk about them later. But you know, there's definitely a lot of winnable games. I feel like for them, uh, you know that that they can pull off. And like you said, they are probably like again on paper like one of the most talented teams rosters in all in all football. Like yeah, like right up there at probably with the Chargers. Uh, you know, and then they they just don't have uh, they just right now have a, a backup quarterback uh, in play as they're waiting for Deshaun Watson with all that guaranteed money sitting around. So, 
you know, if that's the case, uh, then, you know, yeah, I think they'll, they could probably easily be 500. And I don't know how long, how, how this will look like when, if and when, like, Watson just kind of jumps right in and just, like, you know, is he able just to hit hit that stride and, like, you know, elevate the, the Browns and take them to the next level? Or, you know, they could honestly probably, you know, uh, run into some hurdles here and there or some growing pains. So, like, that could always happen too. So, um, but, yeah, like, at least for this season, like, with – Watson, you know, probably not going to come on. Uh, I, don't, I think there's, I don't think there has been an update uh, from the whole uh, 11 game suspension, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, just looking at this whole record here, then it's like, yeah, like at least probably 500, if not more, you know, with uh, at least like three, four winnable games here, I feel like. So, um, yeah, they're, they're definitely setting themselves up at, you know, for success, I think, in the future. But yeah, with the uh, Jets next week, I mean, that should be fun in Cleveland. So, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I just pulled up their schedule and like you were saying, I mean, feasibly, you know, they could start off five and one, they could start off five in, you know, five and two, six and six and one. Like there's, there's some games up front where, you know, they'll, they'll compete for sure. And like, if it just bounces their way, I mean, I could see them, you know, carrying a victory out of it. So yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so important for them uh, without Watson to get as many victories as possible early on. So you don't have to play catch up, but um. You know, it's not to say like once Watson comes in, it's like game over or anything like that. Like he's still going to have to learn this offense and learn, you know, the rhythm of the game again. He's been gone for nearly almost two seasons at the, at that point it'll be. So it's, uh, you know, it's not like you could just hand over the keys and it's going to be like smooth sailing. But uh, in any case, you know, with what they gave him contract wise, what team they actually have, like the future looks good just depends on like how long that future is going to be with this whole core together so um we will see but uh yeah i guess week one's in the books for them and uh you know good on cleveland um the next one uh we had the indianapolis colts and the houston texans they ended up tying 20 to 20 wayne pass or grass i i will grasp this uh davis mills man this guy's like up and down but you know, he has like I think the second best uh, quarterback rating uh, from last year's quarterback class, at least right now. Um, I think it's like Mac Jones and then and then Davis Mills. So, you know, uh, he ha- had a pretty overall decent game. Uh, you know, definitely missed some throws here and there, uh, but you know, he's he's looking pretty good. He's looking pretty good for like that third rounder. You know, uh, they the. Uh, was it the Minnesota Vikings picked Kellen Mond actually one pick ahead of him. So Kellen Mond just got released, uh, you know, during training camp. So, you know, just imagine what would have happened if, uh, you know, they, the Minnesota Vikings drafted Davis Mills instead. And, you know, he's kind of putting up these numbers, you know, with except now Justin Jefferson, he's passing to, as opposed to Brandon Cook. So, um, but, you know, he's, he's doing pretty well overall. It's nice to see Lovey Smith, at least compete. They had a 20, I think 23 league uh, going to, I think it was like the fourth quarter if I'm not mistaken. So blew that lead and yeah, uh, ended up at a tie, which is like, I feel like that's like, you know, these, these two organizations, you know, these past couple of seasons, it was kind of written like some, that something like this was going to happen. So, um, so, but yeah, you know, a nice game by Pittman. Uh, this is, that was one of the reasons why I drafted him, which is I, I just knew that with Matty Ice now passing and everything at quarterback, he's going to get uh, some rep, uh, some receptions and be targeted a bunch because 
you know, he's a stud at wide out. Um, big game by Jonathan Taylor. So both both those guys hit really well on the fantasy perspective there. Um, and then, yeah, defensive side, uh, I, I will. I know you like the whole IDPs, right, and everything. So um, Jalen Petrie, uh, I think he's like uh, the nickelback uh, for the Houston Texans. Got like he was like ten tackles uh, from the nickelback position. So you know that was impressive there. Um, then uh, there was another uh, defensive standout. Uh, I think it was Kamu Greiger Hill got 18 tackles and a pass def- deflection too uh, for the Houston Texans in, in just this one game. So, uh, so nice defensive show showing up from the uh, Houston Texans here, and seems like also nice uh, fantasy points. I think coming from both Pittman and Col- and uh, Jonathan Taylor from the Colts side, but yeah, the tie. Come on, <laughs> this is that's uh, yeah, that's not that's definitely not fun. So, but hey, whatever. It's the NFL rules got to change eventually, I think. But yeah, yeah. What would they do? Like you know, you you bring in a you know running back and put him on the five yard line and you know go heads up with a, a defensive you know player between two cones or something. Like I don't you know do that three or four times like the shootout in the NHL or something. Yeah, I, I mean, just go like I, I feel like they ought to just go like the college football route, right? Like, you okay. know, I think it's like twenty-five yard line or whatever it is, and then yeah, just go back and forth until one of the. Of course, then it's like, oh, you have these like you know eight overtime games or whatever stuff like that. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But I feel like though, uh, you can't just, you can't have ties, not even the regular season, uh, or yeah, or just do what they do in the postseason and then you know, kind of keep that same thing, uh, you know, for the regular season, something like that. So, yeah, no, I mean, I, I think just kind of observing this outcome, it, it kind of, I feel like it's, it's going to validate my point in week one that an AFC South is going to be like the worst division in football this year. I mean, I, it's hard to get excited about any of the four teams. Uh, you know, I think future forecasting maybe, but, uh, you know, with the Colts, um, you know, Matt Ryan uh, threw, you know, 50, 50 balls, um, had a good game. You know, the stars were stars. And it was kind of like the defense held up their end for the Colts. So it's like, why didn't they win this football game? And uh, I just feel like um, there might be some weirdness coming out of the Colts this year. Like if they're not able to like fully put it all together. I mean, I know they were without um, Shaquille Leonard. He's no longer Darius Leonard. He doesn't like the name Darius apparently. But uh, yeah, I think that... Um, Again, it's kind of like I'm wanting a little bit more from the Colts. It's kind of like a Dolphin situation, maybe a Patriot situation where it's like, all right, you brought this guy in and he's supposed to be, you know, Carson Wentz's superior. So, like, let's see it. Um, again, you know, week one, um, there's a lot of weird things that can happen out of the gate. He's going to, you know, take some time to get to know these guys. But, um, you know, Matt Ryan, um, you know, we like to look at him as like this you know, great leader, uh, you know, bringing him over is like exciting. Like it's fun because it's Matt Ryan. He was an MVP at one point, but uh, his last three or four years in Atlanta were pretty forgettable. Um, I know he built some good rapport with uh, Ridley and, and Pitts. Like he can, he can make receivers good, you know, good ones. Great. But um, yeah, I'm just missing something here. Like, I don't know. Well, maybe we'll give it a couple more weeks, but uh, yeah, this game AFC South just seems like a little flat. Yeah, I know for sure. Um, and Hey, kudos to Lovey Smith, uh, for getting tired. <laughs> like 
the Colts were favored by six and a half and they beat the spread here. So with the tie, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, but you know, they were my pick for like the sleeper, if you will, you know, so like you said, the AFC South, you know, Hey, yeah, they're, they're just not that great looking right now. So does um, Lovey does Lovey get like half a game ball for that? Do they like cut one up and just be like, here, man, we'll, we'll give you the other half, you know, being a spread. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's know. not going to look fishy whatsoever. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's like, there's like a million dollars in that football too. <laughs> yeah. Don't let Tom Brady see this football, please. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah but, uh, all right. Well, uh, we have two more games, uh, the Sunday night, the Monday night. Uh, Wayne, what did you think of the Sunday night? Tampa Bay 19, Dallas Cowboys 3. Pass or grass? Yeah. Um, I'll pass on this one. Uh, yeah, I definitely saw it, but yeah, I want to hear your take. Just that Tampa Bay looks like a Super Bowl-ready team. I mean, just just absolutely suffocated Dallas uh, on the defensive side. Just like – Man, Dallas was playing some weird football. They were like getting all these like no name wide receivers involved. You know, CD Lamb was completely, uh, you know, quiet. I mean, tons of targets, but like no output. You know, Dak gets hurt. He's out six to, you know, eight weeks now. I mean, Jerry Jones is calling it four. Um, I think everyone's arguing about that, you know, that potential and everything just, you know, from breaking your hand and, you know, kind of, kind of making it, you know, it's a clean break and everything like that. So, um, you know, Dallas, I don't know. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't high on Dallas to begin with. Just you now, I think that there's just way too much hype for what's actually there. Um, you know, down, you know, some offensive linemen. They're not the same, you know, unit on offense anymore. Uh, you know, Zeke is a year older. We talked about this. Pollard, you know, looks nice with fresh legs. But you know, now you're now you're out, you know, Dak for six to eight weeks. You're you're going to the backup, you know, Cooper Rush, you know, maybe going to the free agency pool or maybe trying to spin some, you know, low grade trade at this point to just, you know, have a stopgap there. But uh yeah, Dallas, I don't know, extremely underwhelming, but not surprised they lost this football game. Uh you know, Tampa seemingly got Julio Jones, you know, <laughs> alive and you know, got him a second life. Um but um, you know, sad to see Godwin uh, get injured too. I mean, I feel like they'll they'll like to have him down the stretch. But you know, Tom can make Tom can make most situations work, uh, depending on who his you know supporting cast is. But it was just the defense to me, and just Todd Bowles coming out in his first game and just saying like, we're, we're just going to stomp some teams. And uh, man, I don't know. Um, that's all I really have to say about it. the game. Was kind of was kind of slow moving. It was kind of kind of a bore to kind of sit through, but, uh, you know, this is exactly probably how Tampa wanted to start their season. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's like, you know, now, now, now is the question more now it's becoming more distinguished a little bit, a little bit of, you know, was it Tom Brady, uh, adding the sex to the Patriots offense or, <laughs> you know, was it Bill Belichick? Like how much, how much was, you know, who much, how much was what, you know, obviously Tom Brady went into a better situation, a lot more explosive weapons, yeah. You know, uh, nice uh, uh, defense, nice overall team on the defensive side too. Uh, so, but yeah, like I, th- I think that's where Tom Brady just felt like, come on, Bill, well, you can do more better than this stuff. So, you know, I, I think that's definitely where Tom Brady uh, definitely seems like he's he just needed to get out and spread his wings and and live free and everything. So, um, but yeah, I, I you know I agree. 
you know, I, I did pick the Dallas Cowboys to win the division, kind of like as a, you know, eh, whatever, you know, we'll see what happens. They always seem like they, uh, uh, they, they always show up more so when, you know, nobody's expecting it, but, you know, with Dak Prescott, I, I don't think, uh, yeah, uh, that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen uh, with Cooper Rush as quarterback. Um, and like you were saying, they just seemed like they were just tossing random wide receivers out there and then, you know, not going to CeeDee Lamb or not having him, like, you know, uh, being targeted as much. Um, so it, it, this team just doesn't seem like they're going to have a good season, I think, this season. Uh, you know, hey, that, that – could bode well or okay for our our pick uh, of Micah Parsons as defensive player of the year. He's going to get more reps, so <laughs> had two sacks in this game. So if that's the case, if he's you know if uh, he's going against teams and, and they're always losing, whatever, uh, then hey, you know he's the the he's going to be aiming at the quarterback a little bit more often, maybe. So, um, but yeah, Bucks look really good. Um, hopefully they'll get healthy, you know, especially down the stretch. Uh, and yeah, I know we both picked them to win the Super Bowl, so uh, it it definitely looks good overall. But um, you know, uh, shame that they uh, there were some injuries on on the Buck side. Yeah, I think yeah, that's that's kind of at least looking at what the Bucks did on you know game one and kind of where we were at you know preseason predictions for their season. I feel like they kind of cemented themselves as like a Super Bowl contender with that performance. So um, let's hope everybody stays somewhat healthy because I would like to see a playoff run uh, from Tampa Bay, you know, whether they win it all or, you know, come close or just fall a little bit short. Like I think everybody has a vested interest in seeing Tom Brady's team, you know, be in the mix and be like very serious. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And if there are anything like the, if the NFL is like anything like the NBA with David Stern, then you know, it's going to happen. It's got to happen. You know, it's too good for TV, I feel like. So, yeah. Number eight, number eight. <laughs> number get eight. It <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, last but not least, um, the Denver Broncos going to Seattle. Um, what what a, uh, you know, don't want to steal any thunder, but just like how perfect was that? Game one to get Denver in Seattle on Monday Night Football. Denver Broncos lose 16 16- uh, two seventeen to the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Wayne, pass or grass? I mean, I gotta, I, I gotta grass this. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah, no, like I, I think the, you know, I've heard multiple like, views on like what what happened. I think with uh, Russell Wilson, right? You know, uh, there, yeah. Apparently, there was this whole thing about he heard a word got around that he heard that the GMs and, and the upper management were looking at like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes maybe to replace him and stuff like that. And then he felt slighted. And then ever since then, like that, that I think that was like, you know, I think it was a 2018 or 2017, I think when uh, one of those two got drafted and it's like, ever since then he's felt, you know, kind of this distrust with management and things just haven't been the same on top of that. You know, I, I, I apparently I also saw or hear that a lot of his teammates actually don't like him, like, you know, on the defensive side or whatever, uh, a lot of them just like, you know, it seems like he's trying to get all the credit and all that. It's like, hey, we're the Legion of Boom. Like, they didn't, <laughs> you know, we were, we were the reasons like why we got in the Super Bowl and everything. Like, you tossed the interception at the Super Bowl. Like, it, was, it was also your fault, too. Like, should, shouldn't he run it at, you know, with Marshawn? Yes. Kind of look off, bro, like for those quick passes. 
Otherwise, Butler doesn't come in there and just swoop it all up. So, um, you know, there's definitely a lot of that. Uh, in terms of the game itself, though, like, you know, Wilson had, you know, decent, good game. Like, I know he had 300-plus yards or whatever, but, yeah, uh, didn't have all those touchdowns. Um, but I think, the, I mean, the key thing that hurt them was the goal line uh, fumbles, right? Uh, so, like, yeah, it's like, what is up with <laughs> Russell Wilson and goal lines or Apparently in big games uh, and turnovers. I don't know. But, yeah, those turnovers really killed. Definitely were uh, momentum killers uh, in favor of the Seahawks. Um, you know, it definitely looks like Javante is going to be a pretty decent player overall. Though I know uh, uh, Melvin Gordon got most of the, the carries, but Javante got 11 receptions. That's pretty awesome for PPRs and all that. But. Um, I know Judy Smith had that big long touchdown, uh, and you know, going off now to the Seahawks side, Geno Smith looked pretty solid. I think that was the key thing there that you know led them to eventually win the game. Had a very formal game, like didn't really make any mistakes. So that's as much as I guess you can ask for from uh, a Geno Smith. So um, you know, good overall game from the Seahawks, which is one of the reasons why they won. And even though, yeah, I don't think they were favored here. Um, and I think that Russell Wilson had some issues like getting the play calls in and all that. So, uh, which I, I'm like, you know, you played there for 10 years, you know, it's loud, right? Like <laughs> whether you're home or away, like, you know, it's loud. Like you, you ought to have like said that something in the meetings of like, all right, let's just get the play calls in and then let's go from there or something like that. But yeah, some, some things were just kind of off and fishy there. Uh, but Yeah. Go, go Hawks, man. This, this was a great game for them, great win for them. Uh, you know, hopefully this is, a, you know, for the Seahawks fans' sakes, like this is a start of a, you know, somewhat solid season overall. Um, but I know that there's a lot of pickers who are saying, doubters that they don't have a team for that. But who knows? The NFL can be crazy. So, yeah. All right. So one question before I start. But uh, if you were at that game, would you have cheered or booed Russell Wilson upon entry or first play of the game, whatever it was, but what would, what would have been your reaction in the stands? I, I, I would have, I would have cheered. Uh, maybe like golf clap cheer. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I, I probably would have done something like that, but <clears throat> you know, cause he did take you to the Super Bowl. you know, was like probably the best quarterback you ever had. You know, respect to uh, uh, Hasselbeck or whoever, right? But uh, yeah, like he he brought a lot of prominence and stability to the organization. Uh, whether you know likable or not, I know he's kind of has this preacher boy type of image and everything. Um, you know, kind of cliche and answers very, you know, kind of the Derek Jeter, if you will. Uh, you know, with regards to his answering and kind of dodging some issues here and there and all that. But um, you know. Uh, you, you got to have some respect, I think, to what he was able to do in the, the Seahawks and, 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 and with that. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely just wouldn't have booed him, you know, I'd just be like, Hey, it's that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was my, that was my biggest problem with it. It, it just kind of, you know, to be honest with you and I'm not from Seattle, um, never been to a game, uh, never lived in the city. Um, but just to kind of see who the Seahawks were pre Russell Wilson, what they are today, um, he did a lot for that franchise. I mean, just in terms of, 
you know, winning a Super Bowl, uh, going to another Super Bowl, getting very close. Uh, the numbers he put up as a quarterback, you know, seemingly never got, you know, in trouble. Um, always seemed to be a guy who was a good leader, uh, you know, in the clubhouse. Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I thought that was pretty weak, um, to be honest with you, because, you know, we saw Freddie Freeman come back. He's now, you know, went to the Atlanta Braves, obviously, for a return game with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Um, you know, that's their biggest rival at this point. I mean, they're arguably Freddie Freeman might be winning World Series with another team this year that may knock off, you know, their own team. And, uh, you know, fans all kind of gave him, you know, a good minute or two of just like complete adulation for everything he did for the Braves. And, uh, you know, I know it's, 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 it's early on in the breakup. It's the first game of the season. Um, he's coming into their house. It's like, I get all that, but, um, I just feel like it would have been nice for him to get, you know, some sort of, uh, you know, maybe it's a pause in the pregame or something, just something that like commemorates like his time with the Seahawks, they get a good cheer and then get on his ass, you know, like once the game starts, boo the hell out of him, be loud. You know, but it just kind of kind of gave me a bad uh, vibe, you know, from Seattle fans in general. Like I thought that was uh, I, I guess I wouldn't do that if it was a you know a returning Bears player who, you know, apparently maybe like won us a couple, you know, Super Bowl or what have you. If it was like Devin Hester, you know, coming back and, you know, <laughs> he's playing with the rival team. He's playing with the Packers. And it's like we all just decide to boom right when he walks onto the field. I mean, I feel like that'd be kind of kind of messed up. But um. Anyways, uh, do you have any reaction to that? And then I can uh, turn to the game a little bit. Yeah, well, I was thinking about, like, Julius Peppers, right? Because he was, like, my favorite uh, Bears player for a while, like, when he was when he signed with us. And then he jumped over to the Packers, and I'm like, oh, man, come on. I got him all the teams and all that. Uh, but, you know, he you know, he was getting paid. He got a couple years with them and everything, and, uh, contributed to like some contending teams. So, you know, kudos to him for going with that route. But, you know, uh, out of all the teams, the NFL, you had to go to pick the Packers, right? So, um, hey, you know, it's the NFL. Like, as a fan, though, like, you know, if unless the person like, you know, flat out said like, you know, Seattle, uh, Seahawks fans suck or something like that, or, you know, yeah, did something egregious, you know, uh, off the field or whatever then, yeah, you, you can definitely boo them. And, you know, a lot of that can be warranted and all that. But, you know, for me, at least, I never felt like anything that he did was necessarily, you know, booable, especially for a player that, you know, went to a couple of Super Bowls, won one. But, yeah, it was definitely kind of, like, cheesy and choir book boy and all that. And a lot of people, you know, it's funny, like, that's that's seen upon as a bad thing. But, you know, it, it kind of is, uh, you know, I guess with some NFL players and some fans, so you know, where he's kind of just boring, like very, you know, uh, kind of lame in his answer. So, but I'm like, if that's the worst you can say about someone, then it's like, okay, go for that. As opposed to like, you know, the Deshaun Watson's in the world, you know, people with track records and stuff like that. It's like, okay, you know, where are we as a society if we're booing the choir boy versus, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, Hey, yeah. And I, I don't know about this whole thing, I guess, as much like, that's all I, I guess I've heard with how he's, you know, kind of taking credit, I guess, from some uh, some players or the team success and all that. But at the same time, like, you know, I think he's also taken some of the the flack for any of the losses and when they were going through some tougher times, too. So, you know, that's just the nature of the quarterback. You're the face of the franchise. So um, and he's he definitely has done a lot for the community, too. So, you know, can't knock him for, you know, 
also visiting children's hospitals and stuff too. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely wanted to boot him. You know, uh, I, I, I think people, fans were even there. I think they were even kind of, I don't say like in the, on, on the Instagram or whatever, uh, they're like the, the post game conference, like one of the reporters asked him like, you know, Hey, when he came out, we heard a lot of booze. Like, how'd you feel about that or whatever? And he was like, I don't know. He was kind of taken aback. It was like, um, like, like, you know, like, like kind of, being on the defensive if you if you will so maybe definitely felt a little bit bad there it's like like bro i think at the end of the day it was like i gave everything i had here you know it's like that's as much as i could do if that's not good enough for you or whatever then you know okay whatever i'm gonna move on make my you know uh 50 million dollar contract here in denver and you know, maybe I'll see you in the playoffs or, or may not playoffs. I don't know about that, but I'll see you later down the road or something like that. So, you know, and this, this, then this begs the question now is like, are they, will they retire his jersey? Will they, you know, like put him in the ring of honor or anything like that? Like, again, this is like their franchise quarterback. So, and they're, they're booing him when he returns. So, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe time, maybe the wounds will heal or whatever, but, uh, yeah, I, I I don't understand the hate. I guess you can say from Seahawks fans for him, uh, but you know, that's just me. So <laughs> yeah, it's just weird when we're talking about this, and it's kind of like we're comparing Russell Wilson to like a Joe Flacco or a Trent Dilfer uh, who won a you know Super Bowl, but it was like they they shouldn't have been in the game or they're you know they weren't good enough to lead their team. It's like this guy is like a top seven, top eight quarterback in the game. Like he is worth fifty million dollars a year. Like. I kind of find it funny that they actually thought he was expendable like this year, three years ago, whatever it is. I mean, guys, a class act, like, I mean, outside of just personality, I mean, his numbers speak for themselves too. I mean, he's constantly, you know, top six, seven drafted quarterback. That's not just cause you know, he's a Jalen hurts type quarterback and you run with the ball a little bit. It's like this guy can pass the football. He's one of the guys, you know, one of the deepest accurate ball throwers in the game. It's like, I just don't get it. Um, there's so many layers to it. It's just like, it's kind of frustrating for him because it's like, like you're saying, of course they're going to retire this guy's number. Of course they're going to like put this guy in the ring of, you know, honor or whatever. It's <laughs> like whatever things there could be for Seahawks, like name five more Seahawks that are just like as big as Russell Wilson. It's like, you got Marshawn Lynch, Richard Sherman, you know, maybe Sean Alexander, Warren Moon. Like I can't think of many others that I'd be like, yeah, they're better than Russell Wilson. So, um, you know, it's just too bad, man. That's all I got to say to like kick off the recap of this. I mean, it's supposed to be about the game, but that thing kind of like transcended the game for me because I was like, man, it's fucking weak. Um, yeah. Right. But uh, anyways, man, the game itself, uh, you know, like you were saying, Geno Smith, there was a quote um, where he actually said, uh, you know, they wrote me off, but I didn't write back. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, so good, man. It's so that was good. Cold. Like, he was working so, on that. Yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good, man. Like, Good for Gino. Like, honestly, like I was uh, happy to see him like put up a great performance. Like he barely missed, you know, completion. I mean, he barely missed, um, you know, I think he was almost uh, at one point, I thought he was like 17 for 18 to like kick off the game. I was like, damn, like go Gino Smith, like brought really good energy. Um, you know, they played really stout defense for what it's worth. Um, obviously, like you said, the two fumbles in the end zone by the running backs were awful. Uh, my biggest thing with this game, though, was last, you know, last play of the game, last decision. I uh, was watching the game and I'm like, it's fourth and five. You got two timeouts and there's 20 seconds left. And you just signed this guy for 200 and blah, blah million dollars. 
and you're just going to walk off the field and let some guy who's never like kicked a 60 yarder, like attempt a 64 when all you need is five yards. And like, it's just a bad, like it's a bad, like rhythm setter for the entire year. Like this is how you establish, like, I don't even know what to put like momentum, confidence, uh, superiority in the game. Like you're not just playing the Seahawks tonight. You're playing every other team in the AFC that's watching this game because, you know, you step out and you go, okay, Russ, we're, we don't trust you to get the, these five yards here with two timeouts and 20 seconds to go get us in a better, you know, field goal position. Like, what does that say, man? I just, I, you know, people were picking apart Hackett about a lot of, you know, decisions. Like, hopefully this is just like goofy game and he gets over that as a, as a coach, but man, just like gut call, there's just no way I would have taken that, you know, offense off the field with the amount of weapons you got on that side with the running backs, with you know, your receiving core, you got Russell Wilson, like ready to go, like back at home, like, come on, man, like give it to him. So, you know, the, the field goal attempt missed and and that was the game, but uh, give me thoughts on the game or any other things I've said about Russell Wilson and Seahawks. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I agree with this whole hack. I remember seeing that uh, in the clips of the Peyton Manning, uh, or the Manning cast or whatever, right. With him and his brother. And I think, uh, is this Shannon Sharp? I think might have been on there too. Uh, but yeah, it was pretty funny. They were both like, "Time out, call a time out!" Like right now, like Peyton Manning was saying that, and he's like, you know, the ultimate game managing type of quarterback. Um, you know, I, I I think the idea though was like, I guess it seemed like Hackett just like knew or just wanted. He didn't want to take that chance of that five yards. He 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 made up his mind on the the field goal on the 64 yard field goal, which is like, Oh, no big deal. Like, it's like, no, we're not, you're not in Denver. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I, I think he was, yeah, he, he, he the moment kind of got up to him in that sense, I think. Um, and yeah, like you said, five yards, you, you're paying this guy, what a, a quarter million dollars for the next, what, five years or something like that. And, you know, you, you don't want to bet that he can get five yards for your team when he re- he's already thrown for th- 340. Like, you know, what's what's up with that? Um, you know, especially these days now, like fourth and five, you know, hey, yeah, I know it's a gutsy call and everything, but, you know, it is the NFL and, you know, people are always passing percentages are like 60 plus percent now, you know. So you want to go with that or you want to go with the guy who's never kicked a 64 yarder. Uh, and, and yeah, you're not in Denver where the air is a little bit thinner and the ball travel is a little bit farther and everything. So all those things come into play and, you know, yeah, it just, it, he, he just made the wrong call and he's actually admitted it too. So, you know, uh, at least he's owning up to it, I guess is the plus side of that. But at the same time, if, you know, there's another fourth and five, 64 yard field goal possibility. Um, hopefully he learns like, all right, man, I'm going to trust trust the hands of uh, my $250 million quarterback uh, instead of trying to kick this uh, field goal. So, yeah. Yeah. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? All right. It's, it's game one. You, you let Russ go for it. He fails, right? Like at least you said, like, I, I trust you to carry us all the way this year. I trust mm-hmm. you to be the one who makes the last play of the game. Like, it's it's just about the messaging around it to me. It's like yeah, to just not give him that confidence and not put it in his hands to lose. It's his game too. It's such a personal game for him. Like 
Yeah. I don't know, man. That's just like and he can run the ball. Yeah. yeah, dude. He can run the ball. Just too. Shane Falco that shit over like five guys. <laughs> like, you know, like you know he wants to, like, just let him do it. Like, I just uh yeah. Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah. And yeah, not to have been worried about uh yeah, I think there's the whole worry. It's like, oh, if you uh if you fail or whatever, then they're gonna just you know kick the field goal in the next uh round. But they were down, right? So I think that was the whole thing. Like so, there there was absolutely no reason, unless you really believe that McManus could kick that field goal. Which, hey, you know, that's good and all, but who, who are you gonna trust? The kicker that you pay like two, whatever, three million dollars for? Uh, McManus is pretty good. Like he's got he's good. good. He is good. Yeah, he's definitely. good. So he's maybe good not just maybe not Justin Tucker, <laughs> evidently, but you know, yeah. still like you know, he's a good kicker, but. Five yard, like if it was like fourth and twenty or fourth and long or whatever, sure, whatever, go for it. You know, you're you're kind of just playing the odds and the guess and that's it. But fourth and five, that's that's definitely doable. Uh, do a rollout or something like that with Russell Wilson. He can use his legs, or he can you know identify either Judy or Sutton or or whomever. So, um, but yeah, you you pay you pay the quarterbacks the big bucks to to make those plays, and yeah, they they didn't. They they put their uh, the trust, I guess, in the, the kicker's life for, yeah, like a really long field goal. And, yeah, now they're getting flack for it. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like let's not hope they get in that same situation against uh, the Chargers, Raiders, or Chiefs at some point this season. And, you know, just don't have that experience of, you know, just making that attempt would have gave them some indication, clue of, like, what their offense is, like how we could, you know, fine-tune mm-hmm. a high-pressure play like this. Like, it's just – it's just all silly to me, but it kind of, you know, affirms uh, the fact that they lost this game to the Seahawks, which, you know, is a huge, I think, uh, um, you know, loss for them off the bat. Just big, big win for Seattle. Yeah. Um, you know, good. It's a good way to start the year for them, like build that camaraderie if they are going to have somewhat of a competitive season, you know, like we'll see where it goes. But uh, anyways, uh, so that was week one um, NFL, you know, kind of reaction review um you know any other thoughts on nfl before we turn the page well i i i i did watch uh one of my friend's instagram feeds apparently he sat right behind uh sean kemp uh actually during the game so <laughs> it's so funny it's like you know I, I i would be mad a little bit i'm like out of all the people the six foot ten you know basketball player for the seahawks but at, or the the super songs but at the same time that's pretty cool. So, uh, and hey, everybody's standing anyways. I think a lot of people are saying most of the game, like it was just like, it was a nuts game. So, um, but yeah, it was pretty fun to, you know, seeing him and then uh, seeing Sean Kemp, like that, that, that looked like a hell of a time. Like that looked like a hell of a game for sure. So, yeah. No doubt. Um, yeah. If anything, I just felt really good about, you know, the Super Bowl prediction teams that I have in there. I'm sure you do too. Just like mm-hmm. a good, week one for the big boys to establish themselves and uh yeah anyways looking forward to week two coming up here so uh we'll, we'll be sure to you know get to that as well um in the next episode or so but uh i guess different sport um you know some big rule changes uh for the mlb major league baseball um you know we can touch on them you know we have a a new pitch timer that got introduced will be introduced as of next year um there's new rules on the defensive shift um and also, you know, bringing in bigger bases. Um, so, Wayne, um, you know, 
if you want, you can dig into any or all of this, but uh, you know, feel free to kick it off. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the bigger bases. I think I haven't heard anything like any negative talk or any like other side of it, but it's like, it's there to prevent like over sliding. It looks like, and they, you know, they, they did try to test this in minor league baseball. And it appears like a lot more people were actually trying to steal bases, which, you know, that's cool. It's cool. It's fun. Like in the age of Moneyball, right? A lot of teams were uh, discrediting their players from trying to steal bases more so. Uh, but now with larger bases, you know, it's it's a little bit quicker for the players to get to, you know, second base or third base. Um, and then so so that's good. I, I think that it, that helps with the excitement of the game of, you know, the faster, quicker players, not just, you know, pop, people are trying to slug home runs and then, you know, walk and then get to first base and not do anything, right? So it definitely gets that activity, I think, going on that adds excitement to the game. And then, you know, yeah, it, it does prevent oversliding too. So, you know, you always see those uh, slides and then, uh, you know, they, they slide off the base and then all you know, the second baseman or whoever uh, is trying to tag the person can eventually tag the person again. And it's like, yeah, that's that's it, I get it, you know, the rule and everything and all that, but at the same time, you know, we're talking about you know the sexless games and everything. That's not it's not sexy, it's just not cool. It's not cool. So um I think that's I think that's better overall for baseball there. Um and you know, the shifts and everything, sure, bring them on, whatever. I I, I think they're all fine, they're okay. The pitch clock. You know, it's nice, I guess, that the the minor league baseball. You know, there there, there was a uh, some experimenting on these rules, the uh, pitch clock. Uh, I think the average time was a, like about two thirty, which is like okay, that's like you know a fairly longer movie and like comparable to the other sports, right? So you know, if that's the case going forth for you know your average MLB game, then I think that's what they can live by, and you know, I think that's what a lot of fans can get, you know, feel good about getting home and, and, and everything uh, during a weekday. So um, overall, I think, you know, that and then the banning of the, the shifts, uh, four infielders must be on the dirt and then two, two, uh, uh, two players have to be on each side of, you know, second base, you know, I guess that's fine. I, I think they were reading some data on that. It's like, it shouldn't affect things too much necessarily. Uh, it, it, the one player, the, the kind of players that it will affect are those, lefty pool players obviously you know so uh so maybe my pick of like carl schwarber my fantasy league maybe not as much but uh he'll still slug a bunch of homers anyways i think um and then i think the only other ones are are the pickoff so which i guess i'm fine with you don't see too many it'll be interesting i guess what happens with like limiting to two pickoffs uh, unless the third unless you hit them on the third one if that does anything for the game but you know, I, I, I think usually that that's not always a factor, uh, you know, and nobody also wants to see those like five pickoff moves. And then, you know, and then, and then the player steals the base. Like, I feel like a lot of people just find that annoying more. So, um, you know, rather than enjoying, I guess, that cat and mouse game, uh, I feel like it's like, OK, one or two times, the third time, whatever. But eventually we just want you to, you know, pitch the ball and, so we can go home. So, yeah. Those are emotional thoughts there. Yeah. I mean, going through what you said um, with the bases, I'm kind of, I'm in agreement. I don't know what, you know, it's going to look like per se, or like how big of a difference it will make. It seems like it would be a good way to like safeguard from injury to just like 
having a little bit more space for the fielder to make the play on a bag and for a runner to have a good lane and, you know, pathway to kind of put a hand in there or whatever else he's got to do to like, you know, secure himself on the bag. I think, you know, just having a little bit more area there to cover is probably good for both defense and offense. Um, Will it lead to more stolen bases? I don't know. Some guy actually said like, you you don't see a lot of guys uh, who hit 10 home runs and steal 60 bags making 200 plus million dollars in today's game. So you know, it's more the inverse. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know, like, will it, will it really, you know, change the way offenses played with, you know, just a, you know, a few extra square inches on a bag? Like, I, I don't really think so, but, uh, in the same sense, I don't think this, uh, this rule will really do any damage. Um, the defensive shift will be interesting. I'm, I'm curious if they're going to put any sort of like boundary lines on the field, or if it's just more of like an ump taking a look and being like subjective in his call or, you know, where the guys are actually aligned. Like, could a guy feasibly, you know, let's call it a left-handed hitter, is the shortstop able to, like, stand at the very end point of the second base bag where it's like, hey, you still got three guys on the on the right side, you know? Like, will it be that close, or is there actually going to be, like, some delineation between, all right, that's where, tr- you know, traditionally a shortstop would align. You know, you're not standing over second base anymore, but, like, I'm kind of just trying to understand like how that's going to actually look. Um, I did like the fact that they said that an outfielder can come into the infield to make a four man infield, but there can never be four outfielders, you know, four guys on the outfield grass anywhere, which I think like you were saying with big bopper lefties, it's been, you know, kind of an annoyance It's taken away like a guy like, um, you know, Yasmani Grandal is probably a perfect example of, uh, you know, somebody who's got a second baseman out in shallow right. And then, you know, the shortstop playing on the second base bag. And it's just like, he's got no chance because he can't run. So, you know, Gallo is probably a little bit that way. And I'm sure there's others we could name uh, player by player. But, you know, I think, I think as that rule, you know, evolves, if they can get more and more like, delineation of where these guys actually should be standing. I'd like that a little bit more because, you know, I'm kind of a traditionalist, but I also just think like the game's been getting kind of boring and it's due in part because all these guys are pull hitters for the most part. And all these guys are getting them to like the very worst spots because there's a fielder there. Um, Pitch timer. It's an interesting idea. Um, Hopefully it's not like, you know, sweating the pitcher or sweating the hitter too much to be like, ready and and able to go i know like these guys are super superstitious like pitchers with grabbing rosin and hair and you know they're licking their you know their fingers and stuff there's all sorts of crap from the pitcher and then from the hitter's side it's like adjusting you know the batting gloves the arm the arm bands uh taking a couple practice swings like it's all stuff that's like baked in the game from when we're you know playing t-ball in little league and stuff like that you just can't shake if you just get into your own like personal habits but i think what's what's in play there like they want the batter ready to go with eight seconds left i think it's fair that way you can't like delay you know pitchers rhythm and pitchers are kind of on these short clocks 15 seconds for empty bag which i think is totally reasonable and if there's a guy on base 20 seconds um the the two pickoffs too um you know it's also very interesting i think that first pickoff move will be like crucial and if you actually make the play on the second pickoff like you better have him because then the guy can just basically have second base on that third pickoff or just on the pitch itself he can just pretty much go whenever he wants so um all this stuff to me i think is in the name of making this game faster and more enjoyable to watch i will i would you know i'm very interested to see how this all plays out 
I think the one thing that's missing here um, is mound visits. I think the mound visit is the single most destructive thing in terms of making the game quicker, more fun to watch. <laughs> you got catchers going out there. You've got pitching coaches going out there. You've got managers going out there. You've got fielders within the, you know, the, the infield going out to chat with the pitcher every like, you know, other play. And it's like, at some point, like, you know, there should be, you know, some time that, okay, if you, you know, you give them like three timeouts in a game, five timeouts in a game, whatever it is, call it that. But like, don't allow all this other stuff to happen inning by inning. Cause it, it really does suck up like probably an extra hour of, of game time, just watching these guys constantly getting breathers and then constantly getting uh you know, coaching advice and player advice and other stuff. So uh, that's my spiel. Um, any, any thoughts? Yeah, instead of mom visits, they got to do like Zoom meetings or something like that. I feel like, you know, just like get it on there. Like, hey, just pop out the phone or whatever in there. Just oh, let it buzz or ring and then, oh, I got to pull it out. Oh, I'm getting pulled out. All right, I guess I'll, I'll go now. So, you know, because, yeah, like you're, you're getting like a, a Tony La Russa, right? Like, you know, overweight, old and everything. They're coming out of the dugout. And how long is that going to take for them to go to the, <laughs> the pitcher's mound and all that? Like, come on, like, you know. People got places to be and all that. Just give Tony Larusa a phone, have him, you know, do a three-way call, uh, call the pitcher, call the bullpen all at once. Hey, you know, you're out, you're in. All right, get it done. And then do that switcheroo as opposed to this whole formal, like, give me the ball. All right, I'm gonna take the ball. All right, I'm gonna wait for the guy to come out running <laughs> from the from the bullpen, and then I'm gonna hand him the ball. It's like get all done on phone and then just let the let the pitchers uh exchange the the you know the ball there. And then you won't have that whole, was it Gabe Kapler? I don't know if you saw that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah Gabe, Ka- Gabe Kapler yelling at that. Uh, was it Latrell? I think, or whatever the, the uh, relief pitcher's name, um, you know, like kind of gave him a stink eye and, and like said some things. And then Gabe Kapler was like, all right, we're going to take it, uh, take it inside. And then I think he got like, <laughs> He got released or option or something like that too now. So and a spanking for sure. <laughs> yeah. And you know, embarrassment too. So yeah. You know, that it would avoid that whole situation. Just be like, hey, you're gone. All right. You know, or, or hey, thanks for the the you know inning and relief or whatever. And you know, for getting this person out or walking the batter here. Uh, let's bring in somebody else to take care of this. So, you know, um, I'm not serious, by the way, but I think that could be like, – maybe I'm a little serious. Maybe I'm a little serious, especially with Larissa, but yeah. I mean, over the course of the game, this should just – I mean, like in football, <clears throat> yeah. you know, I think football's established timeouts for the game. Like, you don't see, you know, the offensive coordinator walking onto the field and having, like, a one-on-one chit-chat with, you know, his quarterback, and then, you know, the quarterback makes a bad pass, and then all of a sudden the wide receiver is pulling him aside and having a chat with him. It's like – we got to keep the game going. There's a play clock, you know, there's mm. a time, you know, time actually for the game itself, baseball. Obviously we don't have that, but it's like, it's just those little things, you know, those little things really add up. They really slow the game down. It's just like, Hey, it's okay. If uh, he gets, you know, gives up two runs or, you know, gives up an extra walk here. It's like, it, yeah. it should all just become part of the game. It shouldn't be, you know, this tactic. I feel like, from the coach's perspective, okay, let's go ice the other team on offense. Let's go yeah. out to chit chat with our pitcher, get our bullpen guy going a little bit more. It's just like, it's kind of all, uh, you know, old school baseball. It's, it's proving not to be really great for the game from a fan perspective. So I'm glad they're trying to get there, but it's like, they're still, they're still a little bit off. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, I think if they can, if they just honestly just lean into the technology, you know, like yeah, give the pitchers headpieces or whatever, just be like, sure, hey, just yeah, like have yeah. them talk, throw the gloves so that you know you, you, people can't do the whole like uh, mouth reading or lip reading or whatever. Um, and then yeah, just have a conversation, you know, with your your manager, your pitching coach, whatever on strategy going forth. Um, and then yeah, you don't have to worry about this whole sign stealing things or whatever too, you know. Like problem right. solved. There you go. Use technology that you know fifth graders are using. Like mind blown. So yeah, and yeah. you and you and you know you and me talked about that. We talked about you know just allow all tech to be legal. Just yeah. let it be legal. You know, everybody's yeah, drugs. The, yeah, right. Everyone's on, the same, everyone's on the same playing field. Everybody has access to all the stuff. Wearables, uh, spy cameras, like microphone, whatever it is, man. Just. Just, just let it all fly, and we won't yeah. have any problems. But uh, no, I'm with you. Tech could totally, could totally make this uh, signal calling, or you know, the we could make mound visits like two seconds long. It'd be awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. like, hey, get your shit together, and like, it's over. You know, like he just yeah. yells at him in his earpiece, yeah. and it's done. Yeah, there's no yeah. such thing as a mound visit. Then, yeah, it's just, right. hey, get your shit together. All right, done. Pitch. I'm good. Thanks, coach. Yeah, Ten porch. Yeah, we're done. So okay, you're, you're you're tipping your pitch. Okay, done. No no thirty second mound visit from an overweight, you know, seventy year old pitching coach. Like done. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. man. Nobody wants so. to see it. Good. Um, so that that's the real changes. Look out for that next year in the MLB. Um, to wrap up um our last topic, um, the NBA owner of the Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver, got fined for one year, uh suspended actually. He's gone and and also uh Got a $10 million fine along with it um, for, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, derogatory language he had used uh, throughout his office with employees. Uh, There was, you know, some sexual uh, harassment type, you know, comments, uh, you know, allegations, things that, you know, tie both to to race and sex here um, with the sons. Uh, LeBron James had some stuff to say about it too, but Wayne, do you have, any thoughts on, you know, the actual content of what was said? Um, how do you feel about the punishment? How do you feel about, you know, maybe if you saw LeBron James's reaction or other other analysts around the game? Yeah, well, I know LeBron was not a fan of the ruling, um, which you know that's definitely a big deal because LeBron's the biggest star in the in the NBA and everything. Uh, so hey, you know that that definitely is not a good look there. Uh, you know, obviously, like with what Sarver's said and you know uh, the recordings and everything that's been alleged that he's been saying and everything like it definitely has those uh that Donald Sterling type of vibes of everything that right. kind of transpired there so you know I was trying to figure out like what what were the differences of like because Donald Sterling got you know like a lifetime ban I believe or like it was essentially forced to a push to uh sell the team so it sounds like you know they both said like some really crappy things uh you know one was maybe a little bit more misogynistic, uh, you know, uh, Hey, but you know, not as racist, Hey, whatever, you know, all bad things, definitely not for, you know, you know, it said the N word and stuff like that. Uh, you know, a bunch of things like with, uh, you know, with, uh, making like sexual harassment type of comments, like all these different types of things, very degrading, misogynistic, all the fun stuff that your HR department says not to do. He basically did. So, you know, he's the owner and, and the chief basically uh, for uh, the sun. So definitely not a good look there. Um, but it, it, from my understanding is that 
uh, kind of what's happened or the differences are is that nobody's really has nobody prominent within the uh, um, the organization for Donald Sterling really like defended Sterling exactly. But for Sarver, uh, apparently there has been. Um, I think there's been several like former players uh, that have defended him, and then uh, I think a couple pieces, of, a couple people of ownership. Uh, have also defended him as well, or just saying at least, hey, he's not like a terrible human being or whatever. Um, so I think there's been a couple of things in play that's been the biggest difference there, uh, or that have been major differences there. But I think the biggest difference has to do with this whole like three quarters vote thing, um, which I think happened with Sterling. So I think the idea is you have to have like a three quarters vote from. Uh, like the the uh, the NBA owners, I believe it is, or some sort of governance board, I believe actually, uh, in order to basically motion that uh, you know the, an owner is to be uh, has to sell the team. That's kind of what happened with Sterling, uh, but that certain those certain things haven't taken place with Sarver. Um, so, from my understanding, is that Silver uh, or the NBA hired some. Warriors, uh, uh, two of which were black, and I think two of which were women, and then I think the other guy, you know, the other one was probably just a white guy or something like that. And then, hey, you know, they were like, okay, you all figure this out. Uh, we're we're just the NBA. What we don't want to be like, uh, you know, telling you all what, what, what to do or anything like that. But you know, we're gonna pay you to uh, investigate this thing. So get it right. Um, but I, I think. They get they get they did all the interviewing, did investigations, looked at, um, you know, did did their due diligence, and then came back to Silver with a report. And from my understanding, is that Silver Adam Silver was like, oh, okay, uh, that's only I guess you know a ten million dollar fine, which I guess is the max for an owner, which is I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, oh, that's it, ten million dollar fine. That's all you got for billionaire uh, owners, I guess, you know. And then yeah, one year suspension compared to say you know, being pushed to force the team, being basically pushed to uh, sell the team, um, which it sounds like he's going to be keeping the team. And yeah, he only gets, I guess, this $10 million fine and a one-year suspension. So the things don't add up there, but it seems like it's it's much more has to do with politics. And, you know, I guess people just like Sarver a little bit better than Don Sterling. Um, and that those things are kind of playing into Sarver's favor, at least at the moment right now. Um, but yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Uh, overall, it just seems like it's much more of a game of politics in terms of the differences between Sterling and Sarver and how things got handled. But, you know, this definitely does not look good. I think, you know, for an owner, especially for an organization, you know, uh, in the NBA, that's, was it like 70, 80% black, right? It's like, yeah, this, this isn't going to look good for you going forth. Yeah. I mean, Alongside LeBron, uh, Chris Paul actually spoke out about it too. So said the penalty fell short, which is kind of eye-opening for a player that uh, is within the organization, kind of knows Robert Sarver probably better than a lot of the players around the league do. Um, yeah, the I guess with the investigation, they found it, you know, his racial comments and such to be like animus, like not hostile or not, you know, with any sort of ill will behind it. I don't know how they come to those conclusions as a committee, you know, outside of the organization without you know, being an employee there, knowing how that kind of felt. Um, seems weird to me. Uh, but, you know, again, I think what you're saying about politics makes a lot of sense. Like if other owners and other players have come to his defense, you know, possibly of 
you know, maybe it's an African-American race. I think that would probably have a lot of sway um, behind it, you know, in his favor. Um, I don't know who the exact players or execs were, um, but yeah, man, it's, it's, you know, we're in a new era. We're in a new day. Um, after the Sterling stuff, I think that was a great comp because once that once that happened, all those comments were aired and out there. I mean, he was instantly canceled, like <laughs> instantly like removed. And uh, you know, same for the uh, and I'm, I'm misremembering the name, but the you know famous uh, radio host who was talking about the Rutgers women's basketball team and how you know quickly his his airtime got got taken away from him, you know, for calling. Uh, you know, the, the women and the coach on the, you know, the Rutgers women's team, you know, a bunch of, you know, nappy dot, dot, dot. So it's kind of like, you know, th- those were even, you know, instances that happened, what, 10, 15 years ago at this point. I mean, that's kind of ways away in kind of the era we live in now with uh, racial equity and, you know, kind of how serious we're taking this stuff, you know, post uh, George Floyd. It seems kind of funny, especially from a league like the NBA who's done so much, uh, you know, good for the world of sports. I mean, I feel like they're kind of like the organization to kind of model after in a lot of ways, like given all the problems the NFL has had with like, you know, the Patriots along the way. And then Daniel Schneider also getting off the hook for his own BS within the, you know, Redskins slash commander organization. So it's kind of like, you know, MLB is the MLB. We know it's, you know, complete joke. So uh, not much to say, but yeah, disappointing, but uh, man, that that legal investigation must have been pretty convincing on Sarver's side. That's all I can say. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Rutgers, the radio, the, the radio host was a uh, Don Imus. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, but yeah, I, I forgot who exactly it was, but um, that's that's said it and all. But um, actually, I think Larry Fitzgerald is a part owner. I, I forgot if he said anything. Um, with regards to uh, Robert Sarver, but I know he's a part owner, so he he definitely knows, I guess Robert Sarver, and maybe if he has said anything, then that definitely adds a lot of legitimacy, a lot of legitimacy because you know Larry Fitzgerald is like you know kind of a godsend, I guess, in the Arizona. Um, uh, yeah, so it says uh, Larry Fitzgerald among Suns co owner supporting Sarver. Um, at least uh, I think this was like 2001. So I'm not exactly sure if this was, oh, it is something similar to uh, issued statement disputing racism and sexism allegations. So at least this was last year uh, from my understanding here. Um, so it was essentially when the investigation started. Uh, I think, yeah, it's taken basically since then uh, to for them to come up with this conclusion. But yeah, it looks like, Larry Fitzgerald like, issued a statement disputing racism and sexism allegations against Robert Sarver. Um, yeah, this was like October and then like November of last year. So, um, you know, maybe things are different. Maybe it feels different now. I'm, I'm not too sure. But, you know, when these initial allegations came out, you know, he was there to defend him. And then maybe, you know, who knows if Larry Fitzgerald has seen the reports and is like, eh, I take everything I say back. <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, but yeah, when you do have somebody like Oliver Fitzgerald, somebody with a lot of you know clout within the you know Air- Phoenix Arizona community, um, that definitely sh- shows a lot of weight. So it seems like there is more politics, I think, and that's why he hasn't been kicked out at least at the moment. Um, but I do agree, at least in comparison to Donald Strong, like yeah, this is definitely a slap in the wrist. Uh, 
you know, with with that regard. So it's there's Robert Server. He, he's got to have I don't know. Uh, he's got to have something on somebody <laughs> in the NBA office, or or he just has a lot of good friends. So it it just appears like that. Yeah, I mean, some of this stuff, you know, the Phoenix Suns um, to a completely lesser extent, the Seattle Seahawks. I mean. If you're a player in one of these organizations, you know, one of these players in these leagues and you're a free agent or you, you you get traded somewhere and they want to extend you, it's like, do you want to play in a place that, you know, has ownership like that or like, you know, one with the Washington Commanders? Do you want to play for, you know, no offense to the Seattle Seahawks? Like maybe this is just an isolated thing, but like, do you look forward to playing for the Seahawks if you feel like, hey, I can put my best effort for, like I can be DK Metcalf today, give you five incredible seasons with thousand yard, you know, seasons, hundred plus catches. And when I leave this city, you guys are just going to do nothing but boomy. Like, I know this is a one-time thing, but I just kind of like think of these little things. And like, as a fan, as you know, somebody who would want the very best for my organization, like anytime there's problems like this, like if it's a Tony LaRusso situation, he goes out tomorrow and gets a DUI and we still let him manage. Like it's another black guy. It's another thing that I think players think about that. I think the fans and, kind of like the whole ecosystem around that organization can, can kind of start to, you know, weaken when you allow, you know, standards to be bent like that. So, uh, you know, it's yeah disappointing, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess, going into the following season for Phoenix. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like when you don't believe or when you don't have that trust or you don't feel safe within, you know, the higher ups in your organization. uh, Yeah. Even if when you're being paid millions of dollars or even with that, it's like, yeah, you know, NBA players, they have a lot of clout. They essentially run the NBA, right? You know, they have the NBA Players Association. Um, they all have larger social media followers than, than you know, with, yeah, especially with Devin Booker and Chris Paul there. Um, they, they have a lot more clout than, you know, uh, from the player standpoint, you know, with their own individual brands because they're all both global. Whereas, you know, the Phoenix Suns, you know, they don't, they're not like the Houston Rockets where, you know, people in China like are still cheering for them because of Yao Ming and stuff like that. Um, they just don't have the clout. Like people are going to fall along Chris Paul more so than the Phoenix Suns in this case. So, um, you know, but no, that is a good point with regards to, you know, if an organization is looked bad upon or, you know, the players, you know, war gets around that a certain organization. You know, I, I think that was something that maybe the Bulls have, have you know, went through a little bit there with regards to yeah the leadership or the organization just you know what it was in a good spot for you know uh getting nba talent because i guess how they treated some nba players in the past you know scotty pippen michael jordan etc then it's like okay uh that's not a good that's not an organization i want to be part of so i would not want to sign there um and then yeah you know with now the commanders and then uh now the phoenix suns it's like all right, well, one, these guys are a little bit racist, so uh, I don't want to play with these guys. So, yeah, I get my three years. I, I'm done with my rookie contract. I'm going to see what else is out there. I'm going to, you know, play for maybe the Miami Heat and go through that Heat culture or whatever. So, um, but, yeah, you know, and I think these pro athletes, yeah, you, when you have a lot of talent, when you got leverage, you can you have choices. So why not pick somewhere where you, you, you can feel good uh, and, you know, win or, or make a lot of money and, you know, or go to a, 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 a an organization that's in a state that has no state income tax and just you know kill it there. So yeah, yeah. 
I mean, basically, they just have to find the Donberry Thrashers of whatever we're going to know, whatever <laughs> league they're a part of. But uh, now, so that, you know, I think that's a, it's a good conversation to have. I mean, um, you know, five N-bombs were dropped out of his mouth inside the organization. Like, that's that's a lot, man. And I don't know how you can walk away as a committee and say, like, he didn't he didn't really mean ill will by that. It's like people make that mistake once and they're crucified. Well, this guy yeah. makes that mistake five times and it's like, oh, okay. Like, well, yeah, yeah. You know, he's, a, he, yeah. he's not a bad guy. I yeah. I mean, you, you, we won't got like, you know, with like with Joe Rogan, like he got a lot of flack for, you know, somebody make a, a compilation basically of him saying the N word throughout like his podcast and stuff like that. And then, you know, so you're going to knock on him, but you're not going to knock on this guy uh, just because he's not as famous or he's not against your own political <laughs> beliefs or whatever. Um, or, or, you know, against your team, your side, like, then that's hypocritical. Then you're not as good as what you think you are essentially. So, um, you know, yeah, there's essentially, then there's this two sides of like, okay, uh, you know, uh, then you're, you're, you're basically saying one thing and acting another way. So yeah, it's not a good look then if you're going to decide for one and for another in that sense. But yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good look for the, Sun, so I I don't know how long this person's gonna this starver person's gonna last there. Um, it's true, yeah, because I think the consequences will be very quiet. If anything, you know, like it'll be kind of that implicit decision that you know players make. Like, yeah, I can choose between Phoenix and Denver. All right, like I'm gonna lean Denver. You know, it's gonna kind of be could be one of those situations where it's like not really talked about, but in the same sense, it's like avoided in a lot of senses. So uh, we'll see. Um, I don't know if you had any parting thoughts. I didn't have any, you know, new fast food items to pitch here, but did you have any, uh, just general thoughts or anything else you want to share before we break? Well, I'm reading, uh, some news here, uh, at least from, according to NBC news, uh, Bami and Amakase has finally joined the, uh, looks like the American dictionary, I believe here. So, uh, kudos, you know, to, uh, the Vietnamese and Japanese communities for uh, having their foods join uh, the illustrious, I guess, Webster Dictionary here. So, um, Bon Me wasn't in the dictionary? <laughs> yeah, apparently the Bon Me. Bon Me is now uh, in the English Dictionary now, apparently. So, uh, yeah. Jesus, man. You ever go on the north side of Chicago, it's like every few blocks you'll see Bon Me on the windows, you know? Yeah. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the uptown neighborhood, uh, which I live uh, just north of it. So, and spend quite amount of time and money on my fair share of bombies. So, yeah. Cool, man. The only thing I'm looking forward to this weekend, I'm going to Columbia, South Carolina to hopefully see Spencer Rattler and my Gamecocks knock off the defending national champ, Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, in the Palmetto State should be should be a fun weekend, but uh, definitely looking forward to some football, both uh, college and uh, pro while I'm there. So, um, yeah, I'll be sure to report back uh, on our next pod. But, uh, yeah, uh, with Wayne Pua, I'm Patrick Miller signing off for the Ball and Breakfast podcast.